0: Hello and welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kraus, Licensed Professional Counselor. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking with my friend, Ramon Farley. We're going to be talking about the roles of men in culture, power, ego, and what I call other unanswerable questions. Now, this conversation was actually recorded in March of 2019 in New Orleans, Louisiana, where I was visiting Ramon. And essentially, this is not your typical Intentional Clinician episode, We were just having a lot of honest conversations about our thoughts at the moment, and we're discussing an array of global questions, mostly what it concerns to be a man, and the confusion and change men are going through in Western culture. We talked about our personal experiences and other culturally relevant things at the time. And we were talking all day and going around to restaurants and hanging out, and I said, you know, I like a lot of this that we're talking about. I think we should... Uh, record part of our conversation. So actually, this wasn't really an interview as much as just recording us talking at the time. So there's so much you can see in the show notes that we're going to cover here. Um, But a lot of the conversation started because I was reading a book at the time by Matthew Fox called The Hidden Spirituality of Men. 10 Metaphors to Awaken the Sacred Masculine, and it was talking about a lot of positive male archetypes that have been left out of the discussion because there's been so many problems in our Western culture with men and power and ego and uh, different uh, topics over the last couple of years. And so this book was written to kind of inspire men to use their power in ways that protect and rejuvenate the earth and help other people instead of using it for selfish means. So I'm going to read a little bit from that book to introduce what Ramon and I were discussing on that day in New Orleans. I'm reading from Matthew Fox's book here, The Hidden Spirituality of Men, to preface my conversation with Ramon. He says, the title of this book is meant to be provocative. Is it true that the spiritual life of men is hidden or even secret? what evidence for this is there? If it's true, why might this be? Also, what are the consequences of this? And is it possible for the spiritual life of men to become more open and accepted by individuals and society? He talks a lot about this and gives a lot of examples, including the Vietnam War. And he talks about different people's experience. We see this is true in the testimony of a male undergraduate, a chemistry and management major at the university, an English university, who one day came across the work of Thomas Berry, author of The Dream of the Earth and the Great Work. He wrote the following to a professor. The deep ecology of Tom Berry was difficult to comprehend at first because it took me out of my, quote, scientific comfort zone. It required me to connect with my spiritual side, and this was not something I ever had to do before. In all honesty, I greeted Berry's perspectives with initial skepticism, for it was not until I began to ponder his ideas in my mind more deeply that I began to connect with the spiritual side I did not know existed within me. This, in turn, led me to questioning whether or not I truly appreciated the spirituality and the beauty of our planet. I began to remember those precious occasions when I had marveled at or simply been in awe of the wonder of the nature on our planet. Times when I have just sat silently and gazed in amazement at the beauty of of the snow-covered bath landscaped, or the beauty of the star-filled night. At the time, I did not realize the importance or significance in feeling these emotions. Now I understand that these are valuable moments we risk losing forever. This confession from a young man who is in a science and business major is most revealing and also scary. How many other young men have never connected with a spiritual side they do not know exists within them? And how many, unlike this man, will never be exposed to Thomas Berry or other writers who challenged them to get connected? How deeply have our schools and our religions truly failed us? Psychologist Marion Woodman observes that, quote, Most young men in our culture have no spiritual heritage into which their elders are going to welcome them. One of the best kept secrets of our culture is that many men are deeply spiritual and care deeply about their spiritual life. It is a secret, however, because it is hidden sometimes as above, even from the men themselves. Sometimes the hiding is deliberate. I know of a renowned scientist who has a large sweat lodge in his backyard where he and his wife do regular sweats led by Native Americans. They even know the ancient songs in the Lakota language, but no one at the university where he works knows of his spiritual practice. It is hidden from them. For many men, work itself is often a pursuit of the spiritual, an expression of their spiritual life. Their devotion to their family is the same. For many, spirituality may be expressed as devotion to their country, a willingness to give all for their country or their family or even their, quote, tribe or gang, or for their art. Male artists can be their own type of warriors, trusting the universe to provide economically and trusting the muses to feed them their art. And there are political warriors committing their lives to justice, whether sociological, ecological, racial, gender, and more. Fact! anyone who gives their life whether they be engineers doctors lawyers taxi drivers business people teachers nurses writers mechanics or carpenters is announcing his or her spirituality which is giving life one's all biophilia love of life lovers of life lovers that is spirituality and yet so few men would ever call it that why have men to greater and lesser degrees hidden their spiritual lives. The reasons are almost endless, but often each man's reasons interlock in a tight web that keeps spirituality unacknowledged and unexpressed. Here are a few. I won't probably read all of these because you need to read the book. Because Western culture is still dualistic patriarchy that values thinking over feeling, material wealth over spiritual, scientific fact over intuitive knowledge, men over women, and heterosexuals over homosexuals. Because men are rarely rewarded and often mocked for openly expressing their deepest feelings of joy, sensitivity, and pain. Because many men carry wounds inside they would rather forget or put aside than admit they are there. Because modern religions are out of touch with their mystical traditions, whose language and concepts help us cope with our deepest experiences, also known as our dark nights of the soul. Because often spiritual truth and understanding defy language and live in silence. And what is not lassoed by words is considered secret and kept hidden. Because men who are, quote, not supposed to cry, learn to hide their grief as well as their joy. Because in times of war, governments do not welcome the authentic, questioning spirituality of warriors, but want the religious obedience of soldiers. Because our anthropocentric culture puts more value on human lives, needs, and rules than in connecting humbly to the vast cosmos. Because men sometimes work so hard that they do not have time or space for exploring their hearts. Because in an attempt to respect the women's movement, some men feel compelled to silence themselves and hide any unacceptable maleness. Because homophobia robs men of their capacity to relate deeply to other men, even men who overcome homophobia must often keep this secret in an excessively heterosexist culture, because men sometimes confuse religion and spirituality and in the process run from their own journey with spirit, because men lack rites of passage that demarcate the movement from boyhood to adulthood in such rituals that modern religions maintain, such as confirmation and bar mitzvah, fail to do the job. Because our culture more often rewards men for their extroverted rather than their introverted sides, because there may be a hiddenness about all spirituality. What is deep is hidden, and the spiritual journey explores the, quote, unnameable aspects of the divinity, the Godhead behind God. Because many men are mystics but lack the vocabulary to name what they experience. Because, quote, men only learn through ritual, that was Robert Bly, and substantive rituals are hard to come by in modern culture. Because men want to hide their shame and aggression, or at least hide from them. Because communication between boys and fathers is often cold and non-existent in our culture, and too many elders retire to the golf course rather than to mentor younger generations. Because fatherless homes offer few role models for young men to emulate. Because a quote, original sin ideology makes men doubt their beauty and right to be here, and teachings about God as a punitive father create a toxic and punitive role model. Because men don't know how and are not trained to deal with their anger and outrage in healthy ways. Because men, like all humans, can be lazy and will avoid the hard work of spiritual exploration if they can. Because cynicism, depression, and exhaustion can make soul work seem pointless and overwhelming. Now, that was a big list. But if you live in the Western culture, you will probably identify with some of that. I know I did. And that's just the preface of this book. A recent study found that in America... Boys commit 86% of all adolescent suicides. Columnist Joan Ryan, a mother of a boy, wrote an article about this, yet what most alarmed her was the silence it generated. Not a single email, phone call, or letter about the column mentioned the striking statistic. It occurred to me that if 86% of adolescent suicides were girls, there would be a national commission to find out why. There'd be front page stories and Oprah shows and non foundations throwing money at sociologists and psychologists to find... And study female self-destruction. My feminist sisters and I would be asking rightly, what's wrong with a culture that drives girls much more than boys to take their own lives? So why aren't we asking what's wrong with a culture that drives boys much more than girls to take their own lives? It's a worldwide phenomenon that three times as many men as women commit suicide. In part, that is because women fail at it more than men. Women tend to take pills or cut themselves, while men tend to shoot or hang themselves. However, Ryan believes the issue isn't one of the methods, but shame. And this goes back a very long way to our days of hunting and gathering. Um, Women are socialized to feel little or no shame about being vulnerable or dependent. But for men, seeking help suggests weakness and incompetence. It is antithetical to the traditional male role. Power and control are critically important to men, dating back surely to the day when a man's job was to hunt dangerous prey. In their minds, seeking help means ceding power and control to someone else. It means allowing themselves to be vulnerable. And Ryan calls on men to relate in new ways with their sons. Just as we enlisted fathers to empower their daughters, we need them now to empower their sons. They learn how to be men from their fathers. Then maybe we have a chance at changing the centuries of hardwiring that makes boys and men so much more violent than women, whether toward others or toward themselves. And maybe more of our sons will live long enough to pass along those lessons to their sons. So I had a comment on this before I go further. One of the things I've been thinking about lately was about how people adapt to their circumstances. And a lot of our adaptation ends up to be for our survival at first. And so then we react. But then the problem with adaptation is that if we keep reacting in the same way, we start going to more of an extreme viewpoint. And I think so many people have been harmed by men in our culture and men in power that when we react uh, against them, and rightfully so, then there starts to be an opinion or a narrative formed about it in a black and white way where it becomes like us versus them, which is a very American thing. Uh, And so it's like men versus women. And, and that it shouldn't be the way at all. Um, We, if we're finding these problems in men, it's like, what is going on with men that are creating these circumstances and not that we need to be like, Oh, poor men, because women have been oppressed for thousands of years. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying is like, we've got a problem with men in America. And what are we going to do about it? Are we going to keep pointing the finger at the toxic ones? Or are we going to try to point the finger at a positive role model and a different type of leader? Um, so here's some more from Matthew Fox in his writing. Clearly, as with suicide and as with returning soldiers, the primary issues for men involve shame and aggression. So how do we deal with them? How does our culture deal with them? Furthermore, what does it mean to enlist fathers to teach their sons what it is to be a man in a time of cultural, ecological, and personal upheaval, such as we are passing through today? What are the elements of healthy maleness? What is fresh and what needs to be discarded? He talks more about this book. Um, The book addresses that young men committing suicide and young men are dropping uh out of school. This book is also about he says whether our species can survive or not. As one scientist recently put it, we are the first species that can choose not to go extinct, but we have to make that choice. Can we change in our ways to be sustainable? This includes the ways we feel and act or don't feel and act as men and as women, as parents and grandparents and citizens. And Matthew Fox talks about the 10 archetypes he will outline in this book. So I definitely recommend reading it. These are ancient archetypes um, that illuminate pathways to spiritual maturity so that men can put aside the days of hiding and concealment. This book is about the breaking of secrets, making known what was hidden. It is time for men to grow up spiritually. As a species, we can no longer be stuck in our adolescence. And uh, I think that's something we're going through right now in the planet. We need to explore ancient wisdom and deep teachings about the spiritual life of men, about the sacred masculine and how we touch it and how it touches us. If it is true that the spiritual life of men is, for many, hidden or concealed, buried or covered up, repressed or forgotten, even secret from ourselves, then great things might follow if we dare to unbury and open up, reveal and unveil, uncover and herald, and speak out loud. Matthew Fox is a great writer, and he has a, a lot of conversations here in this book that I could just read the whole book, but then I would be in copyright infringement. But he talks about the 10 archetypes, and he goes back in history and talks about where they came from, and he talks about the stories and how that can apply, you know, such as Father Sky, that's a famous one, The Green Man, which is one of my favorites, Icarus and Daedalus, hunter-gatherers, spiritual warriors, masculine sexuality cosmic and animal bodies the blue man earth father the fatherly heart grandfather sky and then he talks about sacred marriage um and not just this isn't between men and women but the masculine and the feminine parts and other sacred unions um he goes through this and it's really cool because it's like a story not just this sort of talk um i love this part as robert bligh puts it with an overemphasis on sports and financial success, our culture gives very little help to the feminine side of men. Thus, the masculine and young men may know almost nothing about the feminine, particularly in depth and fierceness. And a lot of people don't understand that the masculine and the feminine are things we made up about different traits in males and females. And Jung talked about this a lot, but that was because he was growing up in the Victorian era. And now we're in a society where it's there's so many more observations. But one of Jung's observations was that there is a feminine part in the masculine and there's always a masculine part in the feminine. It's about balance. And we have to find that within ourselves. So if we go too much to either side, we're going to be in trouble. Um, and then he talks a lot about metaphors, which I really love, and archetypal stories. I love this part from Marion Woodman. He's quoting... Uh, well, he says this first. The language of the sacred is the metaphor. When we find ourselves mirrored in certain metaphors, when we drink them in and make our own, then we begin speaking the soul's language. Metaphor is the proper language for the sacred, for that which is bigger than our controlled world of words. It is also deeper and more grounding, more primeval, more childlike, and more bodily than literal. Marion Woodman puts it this way. Metaphor is more easily experienced unconsciously than consciously understood because it is kinetic or bodily dimension of language. It is language bound to its bodily source in the mother's body. Language is rhythm, breath, and sound. Metaphor is language at the level of infants who are first learning to speak by making words out of sounds and then attaching sound words to persons and things, mama or dada. Words at this primitive level had, therefore, magical power. Language at this primitive level is the carrier of bodily energy transformed through sound into psychic energy. Language operating at this energy level where psyche and soma meet is what, in essence, metaphor is. Thus, when we were children, we felt metaphor. We didn't care what metaphor meant. He talks a lot about this. Um, He even goes into talking about the Judeo-Christian Hindu-Buddhism But um, he talks about, interestingly enough, Jesus spoke almost exclusively in metaphor, yet some Christians prefer to interpret what he said literally. Even religious institutions often prefer the literal to the metaphorical. That is why Jesus taught that the Sabbath is for people and not the people for the Sabbath. A rebirth of culture and self comes from one's own soul and not from institutions. Uh, A metaphor defined by Webster's Dictionary is a figure of speech in which a word or phrase literally denoting one kind of object or idea is used in place of another to suggest a likeness or analogy between them. In this way, the word God is always a metaphor. No name for God is God or tells the whole story. So then he gets into um, a bunch of quotes on that from the Jewish culture, Judeo-Christian, Hindu. The Hindu tradition talks about a million names for God. Of course, literalism has its place. The legal system does not deal in metaphors, but in actual evidence of real crimes. Sports contests, too, are decided by the literal, by whether a football player's feet are inbounds or not, whether he makes the catch, or whether a baseball is hit inside or outside a foul line, etc. But, uh, not life. Life is not about the literal. Here, winning and losing are relative and changeable, and success is achieved by trial and error. Or trial means try and try again. Trial means be creative. Try new directions. Use your imagination. Be more than literal. Tap into your powers of metaphor. So um, there's so much in this book that I could just keep going, but it was a preface to the conversation that Ramon and I had. So I'm going to just give you a couple more things before we get to the conversation, which I did actually interrupt a few times with um, musical metaphors um, that my friends had told me tell a story of what we are experiencing in our culture from their lens. And so those, a couple times, music will interrupt what we're talking about, play a song, and then go back. And this is not from um, Matthew Fox, but there was this quote I kind of put together based on something I'd read from a Jungian In the patriarchy, men grow into a world where their feelings and their capacity for empathy or compassion is stifled by competition or repressed to be part of a group. For a man, showing himself vulnerable around other men aligns him with a victim stance. Out of a need to be accepted, a man cuts himself off from his feelings. Plus, a man is rewarded for his accomplishments and his ability to be intellectual. This is pushing a man toward a less balanced self. And something uh, in our culture we've been talking about lately is narcissism. And ego-driven decisions. And I recently was speaking with some people I knew who um, had a business, and uh, the business was going great for years. And then they uh, were working with another person in their business who essentially became very selfish and ego-driven to the point where the person um, did a lot of damaging things to the business um, out of selfishness. I I can't get into it because it's personal information, but. Essentially, the person, in their opinion, seem to be acting without empathy or without reason. And I think that's what happens to us when we are not growing up as men. We are letting our little ego or our little self rule things, and we're not in touch with our larger self, um, and which I could call the soul. And the soul is connected to uh, the greater world self or the greater cosmos. And You can feel it when you trust that something is going to work out versus you fear that it's not. When you trust, there's an openness and there's a feeling in the chest or in the the head of relaxation and ease, even if you don't know the outcome. But when you're fixated on knowing the outcome and you're fixated on trying to control it, then there's a tension or a grip upon you, and it's a physical thing. Uh, Because our mind and body are not separated. As much as our ego in Western culture uh, would like to have us believe, you are not separated. You are a holistic part. And you can see this in uh, the emerging field of functional medicine. Uh, One metaphor I loved was, they said, uh, your organs and your systems, your endocrine, your uh, your different respiratory, all these systems are connected. They're just not connected in a linear fashion as much as we would, you know, think about in a factory. But if one organ system of the body is is having problems, imagine that you're pulling on the side of a spider's web. The whole web moves. Everything is affected. We just, we don't, we lack the ability to have the holistic science to see the entire gestalt, Um, a lot of our science is focused on the micro because it's easier to rule out bias and false positives and false negatives. By focusing on a small system, we can really figure out how it works, but it's hard to figure out how that system works within the greater context. Um, And thus, again, troubles. I'm going to read a little bit on this comment about the Green Man, uh, the Green Man chapter from Matthew Fox's book here, The Hidden Spirituality of Men. And uh, he talks about this. Why is the green man returning to our awareness now, and what does he want from us? You'd have to read about the green man uh, from about a thousand years ago. I believe one thing the green man demands is that men stand up, that men become men. Men have been stuck in a daze brought on by modern philosophy, consumerism, and a pseudo masculine media promoted identity. The green man calls us to stand up for the love of the earth and the health of future generations. Stand for the trees and the animals that are being destroyed, and with them the sustainability of our own species. Stand for the community and compassion rather than individual power and domination. Stand for the children and generations to come. Jung believed that archetypes reappear in new forms at particular times to redress imbalances in society. The green man may be reoccurring today— Then, not just because of our relationship with nature is off balance, but also because our relationship with maleness is off balance. The green man calls to men to wake up and smell the coffee. He calls men to reconnect sexuality with nature, culture with cosmos, and economics with stewardship and moral responsibility. Anderson believes it was, quote, "...extraordinary that the great mother and her son, lover, guardian, the green man, should both return in the same period, the 12th century." It may be that a similar process is taking place today, just as the rise of feminism has been accomplished though quite independent lines, through quite independent lines of research by the re- rediscovery of the dominant matriarchal religions of ancient Europe. So it may be that the green man is stirring again because in the deep ecology of the spirit he is linked to her as part of the same web of myth. The green man relates wisely to the divine feminine and the great mother and boasts a special relationship to the snake an ancient symbol for the goddess. Many green men are depicted in company of the snake or of the serpent who is a snake with wings. The green man honors intelligence. He is the cosmic man or intelligence underlying creation. After all, he is usually depicted as a human head. In fact, he is more than intelligence. He is wise. It takes intelligence to both study nature and relate wisely to it. It is this rebirth of an interest in nature and ecosystems that characterizes our times. Thus, the green man returns. That is why also he is sometimes identified with the fool. For wisdom, unlike knowledge, finds room for the role of the fool and the trickster. Folly and wisdom wrestle together. Now, there's so much more in this. He talks about the whole, because I was out of context, you do not even know what the green man is, but I wanted to share his commentary on modern men in our culture. So next, I'd like to share another comment from this book, which I found interesting from the chapter Icarus and Daedalus. Symbolist Serlot writes that every winged being is symbolic of spiritualization, and according to Jung, the bird is a beneficent animal representing spirits or angels, supernatural aid, thoughts, and flights of fancy. Pertaining to the elements of air Birds represent height and loftiness of spirit. High-flying birds symbolize spiritual longing. I think it is this longing that is at the heart of the Icarus story. Icarus was so right to put on wings, so right to leave behind the king who hated him and his father, so right to set out on that lofty journey. Every youth has the right to do that. But the longing is not enough without grounding. We can soar too high, too fast, too far, too close to the sun. We do not need to be grounded and prudent. Wiser people than us should indeed warn us of limits and boundaries. But it's not enough to simply explain things, to talk to youth, to talk at sons. Messages must be delivered in ways that others can hear. Dealdus failed in this regard. Many elders today and many institutions are also failing our youth in this way. Even worse than Dealdus whose at least spent time and imagination to create wings for his son and himself. Many elders today are not making this effort. They are doing the opposite. They are imprisoning the youth in a variety of culture cultural and economic labyrinths let's say that again. The elders of today are doing the opposite. They are imprisoning the youth in a variety of cultural and economic labyrinths of consumerism, of the cult of individualism, of materialism, of personal and national debt, of war-driven economies. These things do not supply the wings that satisfy the heart's desire to soar close to Father Sky. And isn't that what we're seeing? Um, I believe in our culture right now, if you actually investigate things in long-form journalism, uh, This American Life, a lot of documentaries have done this where there is actual critical thought and you see the whole context and not just a black and white reactionary argument, uh, you'll see uh, why student loans um, are the way they are. You'll see why um, uh, people are all about consumerism and objects and this is what's being taught to the young to, to the young boys in our society because they don't learn through words they learn through action and they learn through time spent and they learn through examples and uh, at this time we are in a moral crisis and it's interesting that the coronavirus comes along and it is rapidly shifting how people think about what's important and perhaps this is something that might be the rite of passage of the world to start um, moving into a mature uh, way of being but if not then it's actually just crazy to me that a lot of the people in control of the economy before the coronavirus um, are essentially Becoming rich and even more, uh, having more leisure by uh, making these false claims about what is important in the world to the youth. And I think right now the youth more and more are rejecting that message. Uh, you'll see a lot of youth becoming minimalists, um, uh, spending more time in nature, finding that experiences are more important than objects and material wealth. But at the same time, living in a very difficult, uh, society where there is almost no safety net. There's definitely no healthcare safety net and there's very little economic safety net. And um, all the while um, basically at odds with their parents or their elders. And um, it's very sad that this is the way it is, but um, perhaps this current crisis we're in uh, will, will uh, open up some dialogue not to mention the fact that we were in a climate crisis and are in a climate crisis still uh, that will affect things because uh, the earth's not going anywhere, but we might be. Before I get to the conversation um, with my friend, I wanted to read just a little bit more from Matthew Fox, and then we'll get right into it. This is from a chapter called Hunter-Gatherers, Tribal Shame. Tribal Shame. Like aggression, shame goes back a very long way. Studies of ancient hunter-gatherer types, such as in New Guinea, make it clear that along with violence, shame was and is a primary way of maintaining control. Among tribal peoples, the ultimate shame and the ultimate punishment is to be expelled from the tribe, that not-capital punishment is the way the worst offenders against the communities are treated. Expulsion from the tribe is tantamount to death by isolation." Shame, by definition, is the equivalent of, quote, not belonging, in that the consequences of bad action lead to separation and expulsion. At this point, after some tens of thousands of years of this, our DNA might even be hardwired for shame. No wonder shame plays such a large role in men, leading them so often into aggression. The modern world is full of tribes, so that the weight of tribal expulsion weighs as heavily on us today as ever. One example of an extreme form of modern tribalism is fundamentalist religion, which is based in the conviction that, quote, we are saved and others are not, unquote, that, quote, we are God's friends and others are God's enemies, unquote. For fundamentalist religions, belonging is either-or proposition, quote, we are completely right and others are all wrong, unquote, which feeds their anti-intellectual tendencies, questioning the tribal mentality risks shame and expulsion so members surrender thought and consciousness they surrender mind and self in order to belong at any cost the quest for belonging becomes so powerful and belonging is so narrowly defined and easily threatened that the self compassion the mind all gifts from god are negated and pushed aside in contrast it is not true that authentic prophets risk in contrast is it not true that authentic prophets risk shame they, too, risk being expelled from the community, literally or figuratively, as Jesus observed when he said, quote, the prophet is without honor in his own land, unquote, but there is a difference. Do we not, in retrospect, usually admire men who have, been put, who have put their conscience before their comfort, an expanded community ahead of a limited tribal community? Such people, uh, examples of which are Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Howard Thurman, Pope John... Dietrich Bonhoeffer, by definition, the prophet or a warrior goes against the tide. He risks being ostracized and not belonging in the effort to redefine what belonging means, to focus attention on the greater good of everyone, and to create a larger and more expansive community. And I think that's difficult to read even right now because um, recently, uh, this is very topical, but Rush Limbaugh was given some Medal of Honor during the State of the Union, and I give him credit for being one of the most divisive voices uh, to male culture and inspiring many other men to basically get on the air and say whatever they want, uh, no matter uh, the truth behind it from their opinion, which is their right freedom of speech, but in a way that diminishes community and um, makes other people into others. Uh, makes other groups into these enemies. It's an us versus them mentality. Into that, I always say follow the money, follow the ideology, follow the money. Um, a lot of uh, uh, social and cultural arguments against different groups in this country to get people arguing against each other are a big distraction so that um, large companies. And corporations and uh, paramilitary organizations that destroy the environment and make millions and even billions of dollars um, can just proliferate, um, and that's the real damage that's happening. Um, so that schools can um, be defunded, so that we don't value certain certain professions that, like such as teachers, um, uh, and that we privatize everything. And and shrink our our sense of what it is to be fair, um, and there will never be a fairness. But it, it just struck me that you know we want to fit in, we don't want to be ostracized, and we don't want to take that risk. And as a man, it's difficult to stand up uh, directly to people that have power, money, and influence, and are even connected to paramilitary organizations uh, such as uh, Blackwater or Halliburton uh, like Dick Cheney was and to even get real facts I mean right now I mean 20 years ago I used to see documentaries and people had conversations about what was actually going on and now we have conspiracy theories that are these simplistic reductionistic black and white arguments that are just comical and mythical Um, I don't even want to give them credit but if you go on YouTube right now you can hear the most insane things Um, that actually are even uh, more outlandish than some of the fundamentalist religion that was discussed in this recent chapter. Some of their claims um, make the fundamentalist religion seem scientific um, compared to, uh, you know, Pizzagate and people drinking blood and vast conspiracies. People love to take a little bit of truth and then they blend it with these vastly made-up stories. And again. Interestingly enough, who the villains of these stories are, always, almost always of these conspiracy theories, the villains are people that are working for peace and justice um, and have an ideology opposed to uh, the culture of power, which is just bizarre to me. But then it's like they're reversing it uh, to make it seem like you're being gaslighted. Um, like an easy one is President Obama, former President Obama is, you know, supposedly a Muslim who hates America, which is is just this almost a psychosis of thought. Or um, the the Sandy Hook denier professor in Florida who essentially made money and became famous by denying that uh, mass shooting incident at the elementary school in Sandy Hook and uh, essentially said it never happened, it was actors. So it's like we can't, As men, we aren't even able to process the emotions of what's actually happening along with the facts. And I'm not trying to say media is some sort of angel and they report everything perfectly. They certainly do not. But to deny the facts of a situation, make up your own narrative in plain daylight is just bizarre. And it's really just reeks of privilege and power. And there's always a motivator. And I think money, power, and ego are those. Um... One little last caveat before our conversation. Um, Matthew Fox here is interviewing this person named Mark Nicholson, who is uh, a therapist who grew up in England. And he says, on an essential level, women are just... That much better at processing their experience of shame, at coming together and talking about their inner experience, at distinct from exterior experiences which men are more likely to talk about. Matthew Fox says, have you seen this dynamic in workshops you have done, how women are more effective at processing their shame than men are? Nicholson says, Carol Gilligan's research of young boys is giving us this extraordinary insight that boys get shamed for their vulnerability at a very young age, right around kindergarten. And that's the time at which they really learn to hold off from expressing their feelings and experience. Girls don't go through that shaming process, so it becomes much, much harder for men to transcend those experiences of not belonging or not feeling so good because that part has been wiped out in a very, very young age. So these are just thoughts. Again, this whole entire episode is really just to bring up questions and thoughts and again, I said unanswerable questions, but it's also to promote a dialogue among men. I've had multiple podcasts recently devoted to the topic of men, and I will have many more uh, coming up as I see that as one of the great crises. There are so many crises in our country. you got to pick a couple to kind of focus on. And I don't think this one is getting the attention it needs uh, other than the obvious um, problems, which are reported daily. Um about men abusing women and power and money and control and all of that. Um, I don't think the the leadership um, of older generations teaching values that matter uh, to life is getting any attention at all. And a lot of the elders that uh, believe are amazing, like Michael Mead and um, Robert Bly and, I'm trying to think of his name, Parker Palmer and just so many other elderly men, Mark Nepo. I've had, I had him on the, uh, anyway, there's so many I could name. I don't have notes in front of me, but essentially their voices are very quiet in the culture compared to a lot of the men that people would label toxic or, um, you know, shocking. And I think it's just very interesting to me. Uh, this has occurred to me. I'm not a I'm not like a huge Joe Rogan fan or anything, but he appeals to men because of what his former career was, and he's very, you know, pro masculine in his his presentation. Um, although he does, you know, I'm not saying he's a role model, but it's interesting to me recently that he's he's very critical in his thinking, and he's been inviting guests on from all political persuasions and uh, different points of view on health and wellness and politics. And I actually really respect him for that. And I am very happy that we at least have somebody who is entertaining different viewpoints um, as flawed as he may be, uh, because I think that's what's needed is is critical thinking to return to America. But the way that schools are funded and education is treated and children are treated, I, um, I have doubts that that's going to be the um, focus of the funding from the government anytime soon because if you have people that don't know how to critically think they're easier to manipulate through fear which is one of the greatest tools and also uh infighting and uh, labeling uh, among other distractions so that being said i am hoping that the young millennials who are getting screwed both um economically, and also now in the coronavirus facing one of the worst job markets ever, once things slowly, safely reopen, if that even occurs uh, anytime soon, we'll think about what really matters in life. And relationships, the earth, um, beautiful moments with each other, experiences, different Relationships, you know, I'm not going to say family because that's just so cliche, but family, which is friends as family, or whoever you see as your family, animals, different different things, music, arts, things that are not given much credit in our society today and not promoted because they don't make as much money as material objects, the newest best car, the newest greatest this. Um, The sneaker market, which is insane if you go on eBay and look up designer sneakers for $5,000, for what? Um, So I'm really hoping that they become the leaders that we need um, in um, politics. And I don't love politics because it's very difficult to deal with, but I think more than ever we need people with a conscience and who have empathy in politics. And... We've got so much more to say about that. And there was about 200 or 300 more pages I wanted to read from Matthew Fox's book, um, The Hidden Spirituality of Men. I highly recommend it to anyone, really. And now what I'm going to do is actually give a pre-coronavirus pandemic conversation uh, a play here. It's from March 2019 in New Orleans with my friend Ramon, And this was a conclusion of a Probably six hour conversation that was not recorded, and about an hour of it was. So I hope you enjoy. It also has some musical interludes. Thanks so much. This is Paul Krause of The Intentional Clinician. Enjoy.
1: Never had a to and now it's a winner. Winter. Like in America. time when all of the hell I've done been killing or been betraying Say, people know there's something wrong with everybody, all of them know when I hurt Seems like a winds in America Last-ditching but marching across the floor And like of hands that built it in our dreams And never had a chance to grow more Well, it never had a chance to grow If somebody won't know, tell them it's a winner cold, it's like winter in America Yeah, it's a time when all of the hellers People who can help us don't really care been betrayed See, people doing something wrong Hey, winter, Yes, it feels like winter in America
0: So I'm here with Ramon Farley in New Orleans and we've been talking just a little bit about kind of some of the larger issues uh, facing men in our country at this moment and Ramon, I'm gonna definitely introduce you on the podcast with a little bio before this, um, so you can tell us a little bit about it. But I just kind of want to know your thoughts. We've been talking globally, maybe we'll start talking on a on a smaller level. But what are your thoughts right now about kind of the way the issues facing men right now?
2: Um, I think I think it's good that the discussions are being raised, especially at a time like this. Um, when you have situations where, you know, the microscope is being put on a lot of males that are in positions of power um, where the decision-making depends on, you know, if, if it's if it's coming from something personal or if it's coming from an objective standpoint. Um, I think it's good that those conversations are being had because I think... I mean, I I know I've actually seen situations where it seems like decisions are being made based on, okay, how how will people look at me? How am I going to be seen as weak if I make this decision here? Um, And I hate to be cliche and sound and speak about the obvious in terms of, you know, our our current uh, leader of the free world. Uh, But, yeah, some of the decisions he makes, I think... It seems that he makes them based on, okay, how am I going to be perceived versus is this the actual smartest decision? Should I ponder on this for a while and maybe take my emotions out of it? And is it okay to have emotions?
0: (laughs) Oh, well, that brings up quite a few things at once. Because, well, for instance, one of the things I was thinking about was positive male role models. Mm -hmm. And I would say there's a large segment of society, quite a large, that does not think our current president, um, number 45, is a positive male role model based on his history, uh, his personal history, and also the way he talks about different people, and and sort of uh, also then You brought up, so there's that, so that's influencing culture. We don't even know how that's influencing culture. It's influencing it in multiple ways, probably in one way. It's encouraging to certain people who think that is a good way of being a man. And -hmm. then, of course, there's a whole movement of people that are sort of revolting against what he's saying. Uh, And then you also brought up some cliché, but it's also true, and that's something that I uh, I think men, in general, we really have to work on is um, is this the right decision or does this or am I making this decision about my out of my ego? Right. And like, you know, being in charge and being the leader of, of this situation. When men when not I'm not saying men are always the leader, but and when men are the leaders, are we making this decision out of a sound mind or are we making this out of an ego because we haven't dealt with something? Because right. maybe power came too easy to us. Right. And exactly. so we haven't had to deal with certain things that bring us down. Um, I can't remember. There was another thing you said in there. But, um, yeah, I think these... And also, these discussions need to be had, which we've been mm-hmm. talking about. We were talking about, like, positive real mo- male role models earlier, and we're like, oh, wait, that guy actually isn't a positive male role model. Because <laughs> right. we all have a dark side. We all have a shadow. Right. But it just seems like, uh, lately, with the Me Too movement, so many people in our society that high profile were kind of abusing their power against women, which, right.
2: well, I mean, I, I think, so two things, I think what does good, um, with it in terms of how it does humanize a lot of these people that are in positions of power. Right. I mean, cause right. you, you, you kind of have this sense like, Oh, anybody in power they just, they have it all figured out. But no, that's really not the case. I mean, you know, everybody who deals with a certain sense of responsibility also deals with their inner self, their emotions, and they toggle with, you know, having to figure out, okay, oh, when I make this decision, is it just going to be for me or is it going to affect everybody else more than just, you know, me individually? Uh, So, you know, humanizing is good, but... Yeah, at the same time, you have to—you do have to make those decisions for everybody else. So, being humanized aside, like when it comes down to it, these decisions you make affect more than just you, you know. So, and it's—it's okay. It's also okay to not respond immediately, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay to ponder sometimes and just kind of take a take a little bit of a while and see your emotions for what they are just instead of making a decision you know that's fine I don't think there should be any backlash or uh negative response for considering your own emotions and others emotions and taking a little time to make your decision before trying to be perceived a certain way
0: so to speak So that touches on a couple of things. I want to make sure I get to this because this is my second point, which is bigger about men, about emotions. But my first point I wanted to make was it sounded like you were kind of talking about um, the the male archetype of power, not really thinking about how a decision may affect millions of other people, but thinking about how it may reflect on them. Mm -hmm. And that sort of being a selfish or egocentric, immature, way of uh doing things or for mm-hmm. only a small group of people. Whoever uh makes me feel happy, they'll say, Hey, good job. You did a good job for us and mm-hmm. we'll have a job waiting for you or money waiting for you or whatever. Um and not thinking about the health of a larger group of people that may be outside my social realm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that is addressed in the Matthew Fox book that I was talking about um, in this three part series about how what's needed is a male male warriors who are willing to make tough decisions mm-hmm. because it's not always popular to do the right thing and All to right. think about how we can help the most amount of people and that it's not always it's definitely not going to be satisfying always to your ego or your group to make a decision that benefits not only the most people but also maybe the planet as well mm-hmm. um and so there's that and then secondly How does that influence things? But then secondly, you were talking about emotions and that it seems like there's pressure or the current, well, I mean, we could talk about this forever, like the whole news cycle, like people Mm -hmm. respond immediately, like usually in anger or defensiveness Uh, and it's, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot more women now in, in, on the news channels, but I remember back in the nineties, it was like mostly men and like one woman correspondent, you know, here and there. And there was not as many women Congress people before. And, and that was mostly men, but now it, it, now it's more of a mix, but there's still this like constant, like got to fire back and fire back. And it's, and it's like, you know, Twitter is getting involved, which is like only, what 168 characters? What is it? Right. Is that it? <laughs> like, I just yeah, so some, yeah. 180 something, 180? 140, I don't, 140, but like I don't that, remember. Yeah. It. But, but uh, you were talking about emotions real quick, right. it, and, and I think that's a stereotype in in our country about men culturally going back. It's not everybody. Obviously, we have all these great artists and uh, poets, and you know whatever. But just like mm-hmm. the stereotype of like the average American male, kind of like f- firing off, you know, right. or, or or shut down. Like exactly. just emotionless, yeah. like, you know, like um, just like devoid of emotions, like an right. extreme, you know. Yeah. And so one extreme is the current president kind of firing off at will mm-hmm. or just kind of he's kind of shuts down in situations. He's right. just kind of like stoic, but and, not and, not and, and emotional. I think it's a
2: mixed bag, too, <laughs> because you have uh, you, you kind of have this uh, situation where uh you, you have all these mixed feelings and individuals responding immediately to something some some type of uh i guess uh, let's just let's just go ahead and say an uh, an accusation you mm-hmm. know and it's kind of in our culture these people are instantly vilified they don't have much time to react <laughs> that's true <laughs> you know like so yeah it's great that you know we have all of these different outlets where people can react and and hold people responsible. But at the same time, you're not, you're not really giving these people time to, to, to even like defend themselves, say it wasn't true, say it was, you know, whatever, sure. whatever the right. the case is like that also adds to, it can kind of mix the, mix the emotions up in terms of like, say this person was, was completely innocent. Now they're pressured and, and vilified in the media that could pose a certain threat to their emotions that we didn't expect, and and kind of screw up the, you know the the data and so to speak in terms of what we're what type of feedback we're getting from those situations. Well,
0: yeah, but, that actually is kind of bringing the conversation, and you're talking more about like the postmodern cultural exchange, the way right. information travels so quickly now, exactly, and more than ever. I remember, not that this is totally relevant, but I remember somebody. Said something actually really terrible on Twitter, and they were working for some New York company, mm-hmm. and uh, or some big company. I said New York because I'm thinking like stocks company, maybe it was. Mm-hmm. And they said something just like god awful on Twitter, like really bad. Because this happens like Publicly. every other day at this right, point. but it, it was <laughs> right. like really, it was like really like exceptionally bad. Right, right. Like it was one of those ones where people were like, ooh, <laughs> like exactly. they might have to be fired for that, right? Right. So I heard that they were. This is in Vice Magazine, so they they were flying to europe for business or something mm-hmm. and they had tweeted this like terrible egregious statement against like some group i don't remember who maybe jewish people or something mm-hmm. and and then like they got on their flight which is like 6 to 8 hours oh man that's and by the time they yeah. <laughs> that's forever by it? the time they landed in europe Mm-hmm. their phone buzzed like right. and this is like kind of like sweet justice so we think right mm-hmm. so their phone was buzzing because somebody had retweeted their tweet as like uh, like a negative like they had commented on it like how dare right. you or something and it had like gone viral All right and they had like the news media was emailing them for comment they were no longer they weren't like a famous person at this point but it probably got, but fired they were a business like three, yeah. four times. Oh, they over got, By the time, they so landed. like by the time <laughs> they landed in Europe, their phone buzzed like incessantly because of Twitter, uh-huh. like all the Twitter feedback, like people angry at them for saying this. And then they, yeah, they got fired in an email or a phone call, and like news was calling them. And it's like, what and like by the time and I get it like it's like the net because f- I'm all about free speech and you know too and, but yet at the same time with great response you know with uh, great power comes it's great sure responsibility good, yeah. and I think that's from Spider Man for real but I mean <laughs> I think it's true it's based on other things right. like if you're in power and you're running a company like. You have free speech, but it doesn't mean that yeah. people don't have the freedom to put their money oh, yeah, absolutely. with companies and people they agree with. I remember, right. you know, if you think about how many companies you buy stuff from that are doing terrible things to the right. to wherever they're outsourcing the materials from. They're not treating their workers correctly. Mm-hmm. So, like, we do have a responsibility even as anybody, humans, to think about where are we getting our goods what kind of companies are we investing our stock yeah, in? What, what type of morals are my, you know, yeah, what are the morals of the place to in terms right. of right? And, and, and that can go, that's a whole other discussion we could go right, on forever. Right, but if yeah. you think about it, that's that's a way of people expressing, I don't, you know, we don't like this person working for your company, they have terrible viewpoints. Why don't you get somebody there who cares about people? Is essentially mm, right, why that right. I think that person got axed. But anyway, we're that's a little bit off of this, we can keep going on that, but that's a little bit further out from, uh, right, right. <laughs> the the male topic. true. No, I mean, yeah, I mean,
2: look, that's information just gets spread so so quickly. I mean, it's if if you're not privy to the idea of thinking before you respond, uh, you know, to anything that's out there at this point. I mean, just have to be careful. That's <laughs> like, true. You have to just kind of be
0: cognizant of of everything in our culture. Well, yeah, and it's also you confu- say well, it's also getting confusing because, like the Mark Twain said, a lie gets halfway around the world before well, truth is still putting on its boots, mm-hmm. lacing up its boots, because lies can get spread too. Misinformation, oh, yeah, absolutely, and that's a whole nother. I mean, there's l- dozens of podcasts on that. Uh, the Believer Magazine just did a whole bunch of essays on security, cybersecurity, and misinformation right. in the postmodern world where people are just getting. Um, opinion as news is what it started as, and now mm-hmm. it's just like straight up misinformation to demonize certain groups or people, uh, so that you would never consider listening to them or understanding them. Yeah, they and call this it is, like cancel culture. I think at is this that point. what they yeah. call that?
2: <laughs> right. It's so like where they kind of dig up anything somebody have said. Somebody said the past ten years. Right. Like kind of not giving
1: context. Giving praise
2: to the. Right the idea that we do change as people so like well, that's a good point you know yeah i get it yeah you have to be responsible for what you, what you say and when you say it no matter how far it goes back but how does that apply today is this, is this person still applying those practices he he or she used back in the day now or have they changed you know how you know how have how has their uh you know their their actions kind of like changed since then you know you have to pay attention to those things
0: and that's true and i was thinking about um with that that actually brings us to another point about our culture and the current point we are in 2019 with male male roles and male expression and things changing because this topic's about men Mm -hmm. or this podcast series is about men so um male our culture is constantly evolving, mm-hmm. and it's evolving quicker than ever due, I think, to technology, which we were just discussing, and media and different influences and the need for critical thinking and, and you know, all these sort of things. So, mm-hmm. And, like, you were talking about cancel culture. Yeah, like, because, for instance, uh, you know, I was just thinking briefly, like, politicians in the 90s that may not have supported LGBT rights, right? Mm-hmm because of the way that they were brought up and what they were taught as children in the 60s or 70s or 50s, they were taught that that was wrong by the culture. Right. And then upon later on meeting people of, who were LGBTQ or whatever and you know learning about it, then they were exposed to information and they changed their viewpoint. Right. And I remember during, I can't remember what, when it was, like one of the last elections, like somebody who was pro-LGBTQ rights was being skewered because they had said something like 30 years ago where they were you know not not anti-rights but more just kind of like I don't know if they should get married or something like that mm-hmm. and it was like well yeah but that was like 1989 All and right. like they weren't <laughs> really understanding it so like I don't feel like the the fact that they're like hair you know pushing those rights as and, and understanding it now so it is true. Like um, you know, part of the problem with technology is it is dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing the person through an actual conversation, right. or even an interview. Half the time, it's usually a soundbite. Exactly. Or it's a it's a quote in a magazine. It's or not really. It's not really
2: the trajectory not, of their growth and like from. It's it's whatever. actually
0: you know trying to it's sort of policing mm-hmm. and and I think you know at the same time i think if you're if you've been a total asshole for like 30 years and saying terrible stuff in the media like we should bring that out but yeah. if it's like this one time you said something i feel like there's you know and that's not your character that's called you know they're trying to that's a smear you're trying to smear somebody right. but so i'm thinking about like male culture evolving and some of the things some of the ways it's been evolving are a lot of different things such as um, not just having a traditional role of um, being the breadwinner. Perhaps mm-hmm. uh, uh, women have proven themselves capable at all types of jobs and always were, and but now that they've had the opportunity are doing very well in a lot of jobs right. in our industry. And I think um, some men can feel threatened by that instead of like, oh, what a great thing. Like we can, It you don't have to, like you can share responsibilities and share financial things um, if you're heterosexual with your female partner right. or she doesn't need to marry you. And, you, you know, right, right. there's all these options that are like kind of postmodern. So I think in a way um, masculine identity has been evolving even since we were kids. Because I know in the 80s I was taught all sorts of all, all sorts of things, not like directly, but like throughout right, like right, the right. male Like males I came into contact, you know, they're constantly teaching you whether you know it or not. Indirectly. Every male on television, every male you meet, every guy friend you have is teaching you something about what it is to be a male. Right. And Mm. so I remember just all sorts of things when I finally, you know, got old enough to think about them. And then especially when I got old enough and mature enough to talk to women about... And other men who were open mm-hmm. to talking about it, about these issues, especially the women, like opened up my eyes. They're like, "What you thought that?" And I was like, right, "Oh, right. well, I didn't ever think of it that way." Well, why didn't you think of it that way? Well, this is all I saw. This <laughs> is all I knew. Right. And I guess actually, I'd never had an authentic, deep conversation with a female. Right, uh, right. And that's true until a certain age when I was, you know, maybe in college or something like that. Right, right. Same with males. Um, you know, when you're growing up, it's there's a whole different. Cultural thing that happens, mm-hmm. and you don't know how to talk deeply with another male, and no one's taught you that, right? Right. Uh, and, and so you only know the way that you sort of absorbed it, right? Um, from other males. So um, I think you know I've evolved with my viewpoints, mm-hmm. and I look back at some of my old journals and papers I wrote when I was eleven or twelve, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my viewpoints have changed. Well, of course, <laughs> I've grown and learned, and my brain has changed too. Right. At the same time. Um, I also think it's challenging when there's a lot of change because a lot of men feel threatened. And that's something, I don't know what that is because men want to be, you know, the stereotype, men want to be tough and in charge and, Mm -hmm. you know, this sort of masculine, macho thing. But at the same time, it's like, like I feel like there's like this boy side of a lot of males and, and myself included where all of a sudden you feel threatened by, something new or something changing or your role not being defined mm-hmm. and it's like well actually isn't it more masculine and more honoring of a man to be able to go oh okay society's changing things right, are different
2: to change right?
0: right and not like try to like hang on to this old view right. Uh, I got this old view. This is the way men should be in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we shouldn't share it. We, women are inferior. Like these bullshit kind of viewpoints that have been mm-hmm. coming down from the patriarchy. Uh, and, instead of like, what about shared power? Uh, what is it like, you know, if women actually are equal citizens? Mm-hmm. Is that a threat to us? Right. If right. we're actually warriors and we're actually strong, how is that a threat to us? Right. That's called... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a democracy. In its, right, exactly. In a sense. Like
2: someone else internally is also gaining strength. Like, shouldn't that be a good
0: thing? Right. Couldn't that make <laughs> us as people better? Couldn't mm-hmm. that make us as partners better? Right. Or is it like us against them, which is insane? Right. You know, right. or whatever. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: No, I mean, well, you you said a lot. But one thing that did stick out was um, in terms of kind of classically how we look at uh, pre- patriarchal roles uh, with my grandfather. I know that was kind of like the the prominent role in my life. He he basically I never saw him show any type of uh, vulnerable mm-hmm. emotion mm-hmm. outside of anger until his his wife passed. Um, I saw him cry at the funeral, and I was like, I thought that was really interesting. Not, not saying that I never thought he was able or capable of crying, but the the role he played, and from what I saw from my perspective, was you know, I have to take care of these. These are things I have to do and take care of them, and that's that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I right. have to. It's very matter of fact. Right. Exactly. So. You know, I've I've seen him be happy. I've seen him laugh. I've seen seen him enjoy himself. Um, I've seen him angry when things didn't go right, or if there was a decision made by my grandmother or aunt or mom or something, where it was like they, it would you know essentially maybe put them in potential danger or something. He, you know, raised his voice never saw him put put a hand on anybody anything like that. But he just played that classic father role, like this, you know. I have to do th- these these are the things I have to do. I'm going to do them. I'm going to take care of business and I'm going to lead you know where necessary and say what I have to when when that time comes, you know. So but um yeah, I mean outside of that, you know, from my dad, it was more of a thing where you know, use your brain, use your brain, <laughs> you know, like okay. N- non-stop. It was like that was his thing and you know, you, you, you're smarter, you know, than you think, man, I can see it, this and that. And it was, like, kind of, like, giving giving me this nurturing nurturing me for success, I guess, so to speak, since I was a kid. And that was kind of all I knew from him, you know. So mm-hmm. those those two roles compare, you know, having my grandfather and dad. It's like, you just have to do what you have to do. If it gets tough, like who cares? <laughs> like, right. There's, there's no real, no real, there's no downtime. Like, just take care of business. So, I mean. Somewhere like work, was that an influence of work? Like, is that I what you're overall, saying? I think just overall, just right. in general, like in terms of family and work. Just oh, life. I you
0: mean, well, how was that influencing you? That's what I meant to say.
2: Well, I mean, of course, I think indirectly, it, it clearly has some direct effects. Like, I, you know, I'm kind of hard on myself sometimes, <laughs> you know, like right. if, if I don't meet the mark or if I'm, you know, not where I think I should be, you know, quote unquote, you know, I do. I do put a lot of pressure on myself and but I don't necessarily want to show that to the rest of the world. You know, it's just like, oh, I'll just kind of endure or, or sponge it and take care of what I have to take care of. You know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, like you said, sometimes those different roles can can show a lot of, you know, can indirectly put a lot of pressure on an individual and it depends on that individual, you know, how how they deal with that, like, do they care how they're perceived if they fail at, you know, I guess fulfilling those certain roles or not fulfilling those roles, you know some people are affected differently, like if if you're not supported, you may have a whole different affect in terms of how you deal with situations or responsibilities and you're not able to you know fulfill those responsibilities some people may deal with them uh differently but i mean in situations where i i guess i'm just kind of trying to figure out how being brought up in that way um Where does where does that differ in terms of how other individuals are brought up? Like, why do they think they have to uh, fulfill something a certain way or be perceived a certain way versus, you know, actually finding support or looking for support in in a situation where they. May not feel like they're able to do it themselves, you know?
0: Right. So that's that's an interesting point because you're bringing up a couple of the things from the book I was talking about, which is Mm -hmm. that in the Western culture, it is sometimes, and it's changing, it's Mm -hmm. drastically changing in the last 20 years, but it it was looked down upon sometimes for a certain, in a certain, certain social circles for men to really express emotion unless Mm -hmm. something gigantic happen exactly if exactly. something huge happens mm-hmm. then a man was allowed to break down and usually anger is more accepted than
1: crying right, but it, like right. if
0: something somebody's wife died or mm-hmm. you know lost a job like it was normal um and then it, it's interesting a lot, a lot of times emotions are repressed like just take care of business and then right. get in your brain like think about things so like that's like another male thing like we're in our brains and we're not mm-hmm. so, sometimes always present with what's going on around us Right. And that has strength, that has pros and cons to it, has strengths right. and weaknesses. I mean, I'm all about, you know, all the cool, all the things that stereotypically men are good at. I'm gl- I'm glad about that. That's right. great. Right. What I'm trying to say is where's our balance? Exactly. Are we okay? Exactly. Are we just going all the way to the wall with everything we're good at and, and not looking at our weaknesses and hoping somebody else is filling in that gap? Right. And right. then what's, what is the outcome on that? So you know, both your grandfather and your dad sounded like they had a, like a lot of tr- traditional Western male role models mm-hmm. or, or influence. Like, just take care of business. You know, I don't know what his background was. And then mm-hmm. your dad with like oh, think think about it, get in your head, what's going on in your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, that does put a lot of pressure. Um, I don't know exactly how that plays out because we were talking about more generalities, but. You said it did have some effect, and and I know I, I had definitely mixed effects from the differences between my grandfather and my dad for sure, that are a whole nother can of worms, <laughs> right. and I don't really know how to get into that because it doesn't it yeah. doesn't really fit this conversation because it's less about traditional male role models. I think with my dad, I'm gonna skip that one for a second, uh, but a lot of the same, you know, intellectual intellectualism things like mm-hmm. that being in your head right. and, uh, but not not trying to you know but then i remember both my grandpa parents were very vastly different one was very much stoic quiet mm-hmm. war veteran and then he would just fly off the handle angry if something yeah, didn't go right yeah. was, he was either totally dead emotionally or just like he would be pissed right occasionally right. i remember him laughing but not often my other grandpa father was more about partying and he was like having a good time mm-hmm. all the time and kind of jolly and telling stories mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. another cultural thing growing up as a german immigrant and then you know being involved in that community many other things anyway as part of his family culture but so i had very vastly different influences on mm-hmm. me um very confusing i i do think it's confusing you know, because there's there's messages in the culture, like you said, about emotion being repressed yep. for males and not showing it or else it makes you weak or vulnerable. Right, and right. vulnerability puts you on par with shame. Exactly. And I think that's a problem, a major problem, and it's a weakness for men. Because if we can't handle our emotions, then who who is picking up the pieces? All our right. kids? The women in our life? Or, you know, the men in our life? Or right. who who's picking up the pieces where is the where's the trade-off if we right. can't handle our emotions and so you know i i think there is this whole thing back and i i see this you know it still happens today women get called emotional right you know right. and and okay by you know we, i'm not going to go into all the studies on that like women have more moods than men per day based on certain harvard studies mm-hmm. okay great right. but like why are we calling calling them emotional as a negative right maybe that's actually a strength maybe Mm -hmm. that's a positive why why is it men are we're logical and women are not like that's not true women are very fucking logical right you know that you know everyone's a little different but as as a point like you know it it's it's like weird how i don't know where these influences come from but um because you want to
2: think about it logically right like if if, right. If someone doesn't share their emotions, things kind of eventually fall apart.
0: And we see that well <laughs> and that happens in all in all the psychology like Exactly. Repressing emotions is unhealthy for exactly. you. Exactly. Right. So as a male, if we want to be healthy, we may not have as many moods or whatever we may not be as "quote unquote" emotional as a woman, but is that mm-hmm. actually socially programmed right. or biologically programmed? I don't mm-hmm. know the answer to that, but I know that this we should be expressing more emotions and we exactly. should be more open about it because that's a weakness of us as a as a in our Western culture mm-hmm. stereotypically.
2: Because perspective is healthy. Sure. I mean, and from <laughs> from sharing emotions comes more perspective. So why why isn't it? You know, celebrate it in terms of you know to to share emotions.
0: That's another point, exactly. So like, why like if, if I feel like there's this thing in our Western culture that represses and reduces the male experience, mm-hmm. and I, I know it's we're fighting against it, and it's not always there, but there's this like, don't get too excited. Like, mm-hmm. stay in this little window, right? Stay like stoic, kind of like a cowboy, like. Don't go too high. Don't go too low. Right. You know, unless you're playing sports or watching sports. Understand it's like, yeah. Unless you're at a rock concert or a rap concert or whatever. You know, it's like right. then you then you're allowed to. Exactly. But otherwise, just stay in this little window. It's like, wait, why aren't we allowed to be happy and manic? And why aren't you know why? Are, so I think that's like it a,
2: isn't a a, a a a chess game where it's like we're right. a national championship chess game like where we can't show our hand. It's like, nah, this is us being able to work together and get along yes we should
0: share our hands (laughs) right and it's also (laughs) show our hands so to speak it's also just part about being alive and and celebrating you know the diversity of you know our personal experiences but also Mm -hmm. the diversity of our emotions and uh letting it come out and be honest with each other Mm -hmm. instead of squelching it because and i mean this i'm just going back to stereotypes but i remember in high school like people making fun of other guys when they were emotional i mean i right. remember that it right. happened yeah yep. and then sometimes they'd apologize but it was funny because like shit i remember like the football team lost and they were all crying mm-hmm. and like nobody made fun of that
2: right and that How really come? has no uh i mean you know i i hate not not to you know what feel bad for football fans but you know a football game doesn't really have an effect on where we go overall as a species right that's true okay right <laughs> so it's like why can't they show emotions in real time like where it actually yeah, right.
0: matters well yeah so like sports it's accepted right, right and then exactly. like music it's accepted mm-hmm. um but in like our everyday lives is it accepted and mm-hmm. so i think yeah i mean uh I'm just a proponent of trying to be honest, yeah, and and that's oh, hard to do because it's not always very popular. And, you and know, I know, earlier we talked about
2: yeah. just in in terms of not, uh, you know, there being a time and a place to share emotions. You know, True. yeah, y- yeah, you can kind of, I guess, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, I don't know what the word is, but I guess you you, you can choose when to share your em- your emotions or True. not. You know, because sometimes it is. I guess appropriate, and sometimes it's just not to not appropriate. There's a time and a place to share your emotions, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And Mm. like, yeah, and but it's it's there's a difference between saying we need to talk about this later, I need to deal with this Mm. later, versus totally repressing and denying. right, Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, and that that does, I think, I'll talk about this in another part of the podcast, but about how masculinity is on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. and men have both you know stereotypically masculine traits and feminine traits it's just a matter of where you're at that day and what's going on Mm -hmm. um and that and and also what your patterns are you know what you know so are we being open to experience so um yeah i think we've covered a lot i'm trying to i'm trying to think here where to go tell me more um I mean, I guess this this podcast is supposed to be positive overall. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I'm covering some negative topics. I'm covering some positive topics about men. And I'm also trying to say, like, okay, well, what can we do about this? Well, I think we could talk yeah. about it. I think as men, we got to be able to talk about how we feel about life, how we feel about other men, how we feel about women, how we feel about everything, really. Mm-hmm. Because we are all on the same team. Like, right. I think... I'm hoping we can start moving away from this sort of tribal this tribal competition crap mm-hmm. and this sort of, like, I have to identify. I get that everyone wants to feel like they're part of a friend group. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm part of this group and you're part of that group. I can't listen to you because you guys are all like that. and You guys are all like that. Right. Venn like, diagrams are a thing, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, there's there's some gray area. There's, there's color. And right. also, mm-hmm. so we all live on this thing called the planet. Mm-hmm. And and it's, you know, we have pictures of it from outer space, and we understand that we're in a galaxy. And people say Mars is habitable, but I don't really think I'd like to live there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we we do have, you know, for the first time ever, the capacity to kind of like create our own destiny, like in a space sense, in like a planet sense, and so. I'm not even going to go into climate change, but just say, like, I don't know, the use of land. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, How do we deal with big cities? How do we deal with rural land? What is our best way to manage that and to be fair to people, to be fair and to make sure all the animals don't go extinct except for cats and dogs and cattle? You know, like like when Houston had the hurricane recently, like the way they had set up the city was not up to certain codes and mm-hmm. then the whole city flooded and people lost their homes. So like how do we uh, how do we manage now that we've got this huge infrastructure on the planet? Mm-hmm. Um most nations have some form of technology and and all the first world nations have a lot of it. How do we fairly manage and help people have good lives? Right. Or is it all about productivity and money and short-term gain, right. you know? So like what are we t- so, are we all on the same team? I mean, or, you know, you, but, uh,
2: you would hope so. You would hope it be like a facts over feelings approach to something like that in terms of like, you know, human longevity. But
0: well, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> so you just said facts over feelings because mm-hmm. I think I could be accused of being emotional about the planet. And mm-hmm. what are we going to do about all the animals and the people? And how are we going to keep, you know, how do we best manage it and make it fair and? Try not to, you know, exploit well, it comes people. Back to but you're talking about repressing this is a, fact. a
2: little bit in terms of, you know, it's a fact. <laughs> yes, it's a fact. But you know, we ha- we can't all just be holding hands and crying. You know, no, we, I get that. We we have to kind of just be like, okay, yes, this it, it, the outlook isn't great, but hey, what can we do? What do we have the power to do?
0: Right, and, and are people concerned about something outside themselves? Right, and as exactly. men, are we are we concern what the hell are we concerned about right are we concerned Mm -hmm. about our fourth quarter returns right exactly and like this paper company we work for are we Mm -hmm. concerned with and i get it like you got kids like i get your focus you want to keep your kids alive right right you i i get it so like but like where what are what are we focusing on
2: yeah i I mean mean, it's a there's a lot that needs to be focused on right i mean so that's a lot to unpack man
0: <laughs> well yeah i know i won't go into that but i was i think my biggest thing about like the planet and how right. we how we treat people in our country is think about your grandchildren what kind mm-hmm. of what, what kind of united states what kind of world do you want them to inherit mm-hmm. but you, right but,
2: now we're impacting that but we are fighting against those that probably don't even think about that that's because because they think they have enough money to not Make that a priority,
0: right? Well, and, uh, yeah. Well, money is worthless if you can't drink the water. Absolutely. So, so, what I'm saying is, how do we engage in a positive way mm-hmm. people that don't care? Because we can't do everything. That's one of the problems with postmodernism. We know right. so too much, and we only have a finite number of hours to right. do something and finances to do something. So, <clears throat> how do we? How do we pick our niche and bravely? invest in something that betters other people and not just us. Because, right. especially if we're in a position where we're not, like, starving. Right. So that would be that us. have to be something. Guys with jobs like, like us, you know. Have like, what people do we do? more,
2: more uh, I guess, passively reactive, right? Like where they they don't really know they're doing much to help, but they are. Uh, yeah. Something, well, something like that would be a start, I guess, to get more of the masses working for themse- for each other versus not working at all you know but you're right how do we do
0: that that's a huge question i don't know i think well we, we i think i think it starts with talking about who we are as people mm-hmm. so we can you know like i said like men can jump out of stereotypes jump mm-hmm. out of their achilles heel and work on their strengths and promote and that you know by helping women have rights and gay people have rights is not a threat to pay, to to straight males right. It's not a threat exactly. it's 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 like it's, like, joint, you know, like, we're all in this together. Like gay, yeah, gay males aren't going to put straight males out of business. Like, right. That's not a thing. Right. It's not, it's not a thing. Like, <laughs> right. we can all be friends. Right. Like, have you seen Queer Eye? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, and then, like, uh, with women, it's, like, you know, pick and choose who you, which women you treat, like, princesses and which ones you treat, like, garbage. Like, right. and I know, it. like, we're all guilty, of, you know, of, like, not making right decisions at different parts in our lives and like not understanding, but as mature as a mature male, Mm -hmm. like how do we, how do we, how do we become mature? First of all, and like, what's our rite of passage? How do we help other men like make good decisions instead of being like that group of males that's like, yeah, man, you should make really bad decisions tonight. That's a great, you know, like it comes from the personal, like what you're talking, we're talking global, but like Mm -hmm. it starts with how are we treating each other personally what are we encouraging what are we listening to what are we right. what kind of books are we reading are we reading books that are going to make us all like angry like the male culture is under threat from feminism like what and it I, is I, this, this is it, something I've noticed in our culture i don't think
2: so i think that we need to evolve right I, I, i've noticed this in our culture a lot um i mean i just i feel like it's some it seems like everybody's just trying to be right versus there you go. versus learn from each other you know it's like right it's, it just seems like it's
0: a total yeah, back why, and forth like it's i have either to like, be right you're right or i'm right wait what right. if we're both right right and right. we can both learn from each other right and, and like you've got something to teach me and i've got something to teach you
2: right no one person knows <laughs> it all like we have to learn what what are you experiencing like please give me your perspective in as much detail as possible so i can look at that you know objectively and not judge you and try to, you know, feel like I'm better than you are. Ego. Like
0: I have the, right, yeah, ego. It, it, there's it, no time it's, for that. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> I I I don't think you, this is globally always true, because there are, mm-hmm. like, people that are so culturally ensconced in their viewpoint that mm-hmm. there's no way in hell they'll ever get out of it, and they're brainwashed right. or s- possibly sociopaths. But I think you bring people together. Like, for instance, like, I've heard men, like, snub the Women's March, just, like, offhanded. Right. Oh, the Women's March why is that bad right. like why, what is that is doing it? to you right. like yeah. how is that a, you still how, why not rights. have women empowerment okay why mm-hmm. don't we have male empowerment sure let's do that like let's empower young boys to be like males but mm-hmm. what i hear when i sometimes hear the male empowerment movement when i hear the backlash of the women movement it's like mm-hmm. we gotta fight for control and it's like what right. no. Yeah, no no it's not about no like <laughs> let's empower men to be healthy Let's exactly. empower men to, like, not overwork themselves. Mm-hmm. Let's empower men to be good leaders. Let's empower mm-hmm. men to have, like, the strength of a man that's, you know, ancient warrior and also the depth of mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and and let's empower men to be respected. Mm-hmm. And not because we demand respect, but because we earn that shit. Right. Like, let's, let's empower men and young boys in a way that's, like, holistic to, and not like preserving some some old idol of power Mm -hmm. and that we share power and that if we earn power we earn it fair because if you think about it like there's this like big you know like i said like a backlash against the women's movement or whatever it's like what like what are you are you threatened because they could actually do something to the culture and change the culture slightly Mm -hmm. but they just want equal rights exactly that they don't they're not trying to just take over everything and you're gonna be old news but Mm -hmm. like if there's fair competition let there be fair competition and if men are not showing up to the i mean if if men in certain roles are not cutting it and women workers are better then so be it that's fine then then guess what we need to step up our game and if that's a competition so you you see what i'm saying by like like that I've heard people like just offhandedly, they, if like if in the airport, win, like, we, make we these win, comments, right? like make these comments, like make these comments, like all the women's, women, ugh. like mm-hmm. what, like mm-hmm. how is that? We're all on the same team here, like and especially these well, are all that, mostly, these are all hetero men. I'm talking about right. these no, are no, no, hetero no, men. Like, you, think, you like that, women, you want to date women, you want right. to marry women. And why are you disparaging women? Like what the hell? Well, I think that makes that, no sense. That goes back to kind
2: of like insecurity, right? Because maybe as an individual, they they have dealt with their own you know, situations with power, maybe not getting it. And that's when their own, I mean, yeah, it's, it's emotional. It's an insecurity being expressed, but just kind of directed in a bad way, I guess. But um, at least we know that these, these individuals do have some issues with, (laughs) with ego or, or power. So,
0: but I would say like that, what I would love to happen, I said, I said this, but not the toxic groups, what I would love to happen is like, Somebody who's really into male rights or whatever, Mm -hmm. talk to a woman who's really into women rights.
2: Right. Like those
0: two leaders should come together because I bet you they have a lot in common. Right. right, They both want to be respected. They both want Mm -hmm. to feel like they got a good contribution. They both want to have equal rights. So what, where is the, you know, besides like the hate groups, where's the disparity? It's probably like
2: an individual me first feeling like, but what about me? You know?
1: Right.
0: And so, like and and, and it's weird. It's a way of viewing the world too, which is. Mm -hmm. Like, I know we have finite resources, but in terms of, like, finite opportunity, like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of times what limits us from our opportunity is our perspective. Right. Yep. Like, I feel like, oh, there's nothing to do on Sunday. Well... Like is what that actually you, what have you accurate done historically or is that emotional? Sunday? Right. Have exactly. you
2: looked out outside of what you already do on Sunday? Right. Have you looked in other places?
0: Right. <laughs> have <laughs> I have I called have people? Have you asked anyone? Have I said <laughs> anything? Have I have I tuned into the Right. I it, can it, give it, you kind of five people that?
2: that enjoy <laughs> every Sunday <laughs> right, for the past exactly. 30 years. <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. Like and if I don't enjoy Sunday like well, why am I living here? Maybe I should right. move somewhere else. So it's mm-hmm. like opening up, like our perspective is keeping mm-hmm. us trapped in, in a lot of this. Now I know there's also institutional and societal oppression. Like I'm not even going to get into that. That's a whole mm-hmm. other topic for somebody who's an expert on that. But mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is I think I think it's, it's a time that males need to evolve. Absolutely. Like um, on multiple levels. And, and the Western world, especially. I mean, I think,
2: or, or maybe even just be the be better leaders than they think they are.
0: <laughs> well, like earn the fact that earn. You know, how do you say that? But like, you can have power. Mm-hmm. You don't have to earn power. You don't. Ha- I, what I mean by that is, like, you can get power in all sorts of ways that are creepy. Mm-hmm. But to have authority. Authority is different. And authority is uh, is somewhat based on people's opinions right. of, you, of you as a leader. Mm-hmm. And if you're an authority on this topic or an authority on that, like, I don't know how to describe it because I'd have to look up the definition again. But, like, for instance, like, the president might have power, but he doesn't seem to have authority. Because when he says stuff, a lot of people don't take him seriously. Absolutely. And so what I'm trying to say is, like, as men, you know, I think it's important to to try to understand the history which i feel like a lot of people leave out which is that men in western world have been in charge for various cultural reasons for a long time mm-hmm. and that's fine and that's where we came from so now that the playing field is a little bit different and we're in this postmodern era how do we become the be- how do we become the best version of ourselves so that we are respected and given authority in our whatever our realm is whatever our family is in a way that isn't needing to uh the uh, authority that's given in a way because it's a positive thing mm-hmm. versus um authoritarian right. power taking or intimidation or threat or um, you know, all the like all, all the, the things, all the wrong all the toxic to have domestic violence things mm-hmm. that right. men do when they feel threatened instead of being able to talk it out. Mm-hmm. And I know that uh, you know. Uh, and to be fair, I mean, I'm 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 I'm, I'm pro male. Like we weren't socialized, mm-hmm. and I, who am I gonna blame? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just what happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of men were not socialized to talk about it, so what we're trying to change right. that. Um. And I don't know, and and it's such a big topic, but um, what I'm trying to say is like, this is not a rip on man podcast. This is like, how do we become better? But there mm-hmm. are problems. Just like any CEO would tell you, you you have to look at strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Mm-hmm. And we have weaknesses, mm-hmm. and we also have strengths. But like, where, um, you know, are we? Do we have the humility to? to look at those so yeah what are your thoughts sir
2: no i mean yeah i mean definitely like like i was saying it it comes down to being able to look at all of those different facets to be a better leader versus just you know owning power or having power uh so to speak uh yeah you you have to be able to look at some people in power have responsibilities but aren't necessarily responsible
0: or abuse and they abuse it exactly. or abuse people with it
2: right and it it's up to the leaders not just those in power to kind of be able to make the decisions and say like okay well instead of this person instead of kind of like you know emboldening this person that's in power or have them make the, be the ultimate decision maker, just have them deal with the things that you think they're best at <laughs> right or or that they're you know more educated Adept on. at right you know so with without having the effects of that <laughs> absolute power authoritarian power, so to speak get in the way of anybody
0: else's quality of life well because yeah because yeah, anytime i mean look at history authoritarian mm-hmm. power has never ended well right? and it's usually hurt lots of people right because of what happens
2: so, and it's usually based on some individual's emotions that hadn't been dealt with <laughs> uh, nice
0: that is exactly where i was going and that's actually a better summary than i was gonna say <laughs> it is based on somebody's emotions that have not been dealt with and mm-hmm. whatever those are like i'm special exactly i, I should be number one why Mm -hmm. i need this i need to prove that i'm good right um we could keep going on this forever but like as so so it doesn't matter when you said leaders you mean anybody you don't mean just people in power you mean like people that are willing to have the courage to speak right
2: yeah and so and and also that have the courage to be like okay yes this person is in power but i don't necessarily want to take them out of power sure but you know, hey, these are some things that can potentially be going in the wrong wrong direction that we have to pull back on. And when I say leaders, I mean those that are able to kind of decide to, to temper the situation a little better and sure. make sure that power doesn't get...
0: Well, absolute power mis- corrupts right. absolutely, yeah. right? Is that right. what they say? Right, right. So, mm-hmm. and it's tough because... You know, and when if, leaders.
2: I'm not yeah. just saying men,
0: <laughs> right? Are women anyone? Right? Yeah. Anyone who has any sort mm-hmm. of ability to lead, right? And it's hard to lead because a good leader tells the truth, exactly. And a good leader knows how much how much transparency to have and how much not to have, and how mm-hmm. and how to di- and how to help people. Express themselves and feel heard, and be able to also get things done that right. are important, and and, and has the consider, ability to set
2: aside their ego too. Well, the,
0: exactly, mm-hmm. because no one people hardly respect um, leaders who don't have an ego intact. I mean, there's right, certain people right. that worship that. I call that hero worship, right? You know, there right. are people that worship he- people with unbridled egos, and they're attracted mm-hmm. to that. And I don't know, right. that's a psychological discussion we don't need to get yeah. into right now. But but I mean, it's very Yeah, it's
2: very important based on what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's like,
0: that's a whole other, like following people blindly, thinking that somebody has an answer. I mean, this is just so basic. Like thinking, believing that somebody has an answer that you couldn't ever come to, partly is naivete. Is really is what it is. And partly, I don't know, it's related to so many different factors of why people fall into that. It's also easy. You know, in the postmodern world, there's so much information. There's information Mm -hmm. overload. So if somebody's going to talk to you simply... And say, well, this is the way it is because of this. Mm-hmm. That actually sounds pretty good, no. but that's actually not at all. It's say the truth. they can
2: say it with as much authority as they want to. Sure, but well, because that, that doesn't make the it truth, truth is gray usually,
0: right. and what mm-hmm. that means is that you know, even look at scientific studies. We were talking about research papers earlier that we were reading, uh, mm-hmm. psychology research papers, and some other research papers you were talking about from science, and how like you read the abstract, and you're like, oh, this is so interesting, and then when you get into it. Like even if it proves the finding with a double-blind yeah, right. study, there's so much nuance, mm-hmm. and it's so all over the place that it's kind of like, well, if you look at it this way, you know, right. with this psychological study, this could be the way it is, and then may, but it proved this, but it didn't prove. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, there are definitive answers. That's how science has moved along, but it took like how many studies to prove right. Right. to prove that point? So. So in the world, it's, it does depend on your, uh, you know, especially in social matters, it does depend a little bit on your perspective and where, but it also, so like when you get a leader who speaks simply to people and, and isn't considering other groups, it sounds appealing to people Mm -hmm. that are stressed out, who just want something simple and who want an easy picture of the world. Exactly. And I think, I think that. The world can, we can simplify things. I know that's a whole nother topic, but I think that it takes courage to be able to see that the answers are not simple. No, not at all. So even mm-hmm. if you tried to go do something good, like you and I try to do something good in our community, um, you know, I'm like, oh, we should feed all these people. Oh, cool. Let's do that. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. We did that. Now, oh, shoot. You know what? Now that we just got rid of 75... Well, Seven hundred foam plates and sixty forks, and we didn't even. It wasn't enough protein to these but people. But this is the thing, because you know, somebody like, can come in up.
2: and and be like, and say it with so much, you know, we're gonna feed all these people by the next three months, and just because they say it with so much, yeah, so so much charisma, and like, oh yeah, he's gonna do it. I know it just because of the way he said it. They could have absolutely no strategy, but that person that's, that puts so much. Weight in the power alone mm-hmm. there's just like oh i'm convinced <laughs> right and so that
0: that brings up um all sorts of things about mm-hmm. i always say follow the money mm-hmm. like whenever we're talking about politics i'm always like follow the money right where's the money right because like right. i'm I'm not trying to say like i'm cynical about people but mm-hmm. i do think money and power are difficult things to be around right. uh but that's and they that's can the easy it way right
2: that's. I mean, it's been legalized, and that's been the easy way to deal with with things as a right. way. So, right. And so and we're in a weird, unfortunately that's been normalized for a really long time, so people don't look at it as such a bad thing, right? That's true. That's true.
0: <laughs> that's, true. that's true. So
2: it's like we're only corrupt. What's wrong with that?
0: What's wrong with being corrupt? <laughs> right. It's legal now. Right. We made the law. We've so been that lobbying make it for right. years. That doesn't make it right, but that is exactly. the law now. Money is speech since uh, Citizens United.
2: That could be another discussion, like how psychologically people have just kind of accepted corruption.
0: That's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, that is. And then when people well, call
2: them out, they're looking like, what do you mean? Well, and what do you mean? Like, what, what, what's, what's wrong with that? What? But this, this is, is totally illegal.
0: This is legal now. Right. It right. Right. doesn't mean it's right. right. I mean, that's another thing. Does, right. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. We could go mm. uh, look at the last 100 years of mm. history. How many I times. I voted based
2: on my donors and what they, they told me to do. What's wrong with that?
0: Right. What's wrong? I just, those are my friends. I didn't vote based on morality. It's just my donors. Right. What's morality? Morality <laughs> right. is what, what feeds me. Right. right. So, like, exactly. like that's actually, you know, we're getting into, uh, yeah, because what, what, yeah, like, what, if you look at the last hundred years, how many things were illegal that were wrong? Mm-hmm. And people had to break the law so many times to get the law changed. Exactly. And now the laws, and now we're in a weird spot where laws are getting changed to become worse. Mm hmm to To basically give speech to the richest, most "quote unquote" powerful party, right. or I mean, by party I didn't mean political party; I meant like a party of people or a group. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I
2: mean, it's Citizens United. Yeah, that's when it start, That's when it <laughs> right. started,
0: really. Yeah. And uh, being able to just give unlimited amounts of money, and mm-hmm. so therefore, if I get my money by uh, corrupt trade purposes or gambling and maybe i own a bunch of casinos what a great moral thing that is or right. maybe i own all the chick-fil-a's or maybe i own oil which I, I, you know everything's on a gradient so i'm not saying mm-hmm. oil is wrong but let's just say that's my a coal plant you know and here i am now i'm making decisions about kids lunches because i can pay a lobbyist mm-hmm. exactly so how do why do i have that that isn't a, that's authority i stole like
2: that influence has no true right. basis in terms or like of
0: why this. am i lobbying against uh women's birth control mm-hmm. based on the fact because i own a big company that sells crafts right like how do i get exactly. why do i have that power like that's it so there are, there's a lot of problems going on right now in our culture with um backroom discussions power p- and people's opinions uh, power being normalized are... or money money is speech right mm-hmm. is that what you mean by that like yeah. power like power grabs
2: Yeah, well, you you said the phrase earlier, um, just in terms of a power abuse being normalized.
0: Right, yeah, abuse, and also um, being able to, uh, I think because of, maybe because of the media and the way things have changed with social media, being able to basically just gaslight people all day long, Mm -hmm. and essentially what I've noticed a lot in some of the male communities that I'm not too fond of is that... They will accuse people of doing what they are doing, right? And if you accuse people and start a big ruckus of accusing and like kind of a mudslinging contest, the media will focus on that. Meanwhile, that's actually what you are doing Mm -hmm. to people. But (laughs) the other side of the group is not calling you out because they're more a little bit more civil. I don't know. Right? Yeah. And so it's like there's some there's some power and abuse stuff coming down uh and especially a lot on the male side, it's happening on the women's side too. I mm-hmm. know we're not talking about that, but with males in our culture using um a lot of really dark shadow sides of psychology, which mm-hmm. is gaslighting people um using tricky arguments um lying right. <laughs> cheating-. Right. Um, saying one thing, doing another. I mean, and so we are in need of, of positive real, male role models at this time in Western culture, big time. Mm-hmm. We can't just keep looking back. I mean, you know, we have Dr. Martin Luther King. We're looking, you know, every year we have hit the holiday that we got in the U.S., but that, but I was thinking about that the other day. And wasn't he assassinated in like 68? 65. 65 so 68 if you think about that, that's a yeah. long time ago. All right. That's like, 50 60 years ago so it's like we like i'm glad he's still there but like mm-hmm. we need somebody new like right. where's our current person right you know what i'm saying our persons or yeah. persons yeah, yeah. where where are the male leaders and examples yeah. that we can draw from yeah like it seems like there. yeah <laughs> uh, yeah few and far scarce. between
2: i mean but even even i mean there are a few i just feel like I mean, you can go back to charisma, um, which plays a, few, a a huge role in in terms of our culture. So it's it won't be until that person with the charisma and those qualities comes along that that will look at them and kind of put them on that pedestal,
0: you know? Right. <laughs> and I mean, I don't even want to put them on a pedestal. I just want to give them a freaking megaphone, right? Yeah, and I'll, and a YouTube channel mm-hmm. and like I don't know whatever else yeah all right yeah at least they they won't
2: be that iconic person that we can learn from and
0: and i think if they (laughs) and here's the weird part the the combination of charisma is needed but i think if they come along now they're going to be a lot more humble Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. and and more but do we really appreciate humble though i don't that's the thing i don't know (laughs) i don't really see that on television yeah. Do you see it on television? No. I, mean, I don't. Really I don't, watch I don't see people though.
2: like, hey, this guy doesn't say much, but look at him, he's awesome. Like, I don't. Right. <laughs> it doesn't happen much, does it? No. Yeah. You have to kind of be the the rabble rouser to.
0: Yeah, and it, yeah, it seems like any attention is go good against attention, the
2: grain though. a bit to to gain some kind of attention. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, we talked about last night, Colin Kaepernick, right? Right, right, something? right. Yeah. And uh, how he just won that lawsuit because he basically proved, what, collusion with the NFL? Right, against
2: him not being able to get a job because he knelt down, which I thought was kind of chill.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not divisive. Like, right. like he was trying to draw attention to an issue.
2: Right, and the narrative got mixed. He said, hey, look at this verse of the, the National Anthem. Right uh no we don't care about that right. you're just disrespecting and, the flag and, i never said i was doing that people
0: i've talked to from the military <laughs> yeah they kind of they were the like they yeah. were like
2: but i'm fighting for his right to right kneel. yeah i totally support what he i right. went to but, war for that
0: <laughs> right and so and so then there's this narrative spun in the culture mm-hmm. of he's disrespecting the flag right. He when didn't he was wiggle kneeling. his penis
2: during the national right. anthem at all. Like he just knelt <laughs> he didn't give silently. A, he didn't
0: give the bird. He didn't turn no. around. He didn't, he didn't put out wound anyone. Like, he just kneeled. kneeled. Which yeah. is actually kind of respectful. I get right. that I get that the tradition is to put your hand over the heart, but right. or just stand there and look awkward. Uh, but you know, he's trying to draw attention to an issue and he got power and he got power. Power was anger. Right, because their product was being damaged Exactly, the it's product like, of the sports game where people don't talk about this thing we don't like, talk hey, about we politics almost drew attention we don't talk to it about police actually brutality spoke about
2: the real issue but no I'm going to throw that. a monkey wrench in this right. and not have that happen
0: right power well in that sense I, I, I don't know I think it was mixed I think part of the power was about the fact that they didn't agree with the issue but I actually think the greater part was that they didn't want money they didn't want to lose money Mm-hmm. That's what no, I think absolutely. it was. I think because that would that would ruin their little deal. All right. Everybody stay in line. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't speak up. All right. All right. So no. and, and he had authority, mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, because people respect him. Yeah. And like, people look up to him. I can't believe as he's making sense.
2: <laughs> What's that? Can't believe he's making sense. Like.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Like he's saying things that make sense, and he's right. being like, if you watch his interviews, he mm. is very. I don't know, calm and like collected and articulate. Mm -hmm. And he's the opposite of what he was painted in the media when this all went down. So, I mean, I guess he's an example of a leader that's coming up. Um, He's got a specific niche issue. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, I think he could probably, I think he's probably expanding it. But like, I mean, he's, that's the hard part about postmodern. Like he picked an issue. Like I'm drawing attention to the way that, African American people are treated by police in a uh, very and that was the logical way,
2: like well, using in a very logical way right. using using the song that that I'm speaking of and referencing. I'm gonna point to the verse that that this is was all based on verse three, right? Well, which first, I did not know. There were, four, yeah. I
0: didn't know there was four because we only sing the first verse, all right? In the chorus, the we'll call it the first refrain. Right. Is the only one you hear during sports games, and then there's yeah. if you look up the actual song, it's two, three, and four. We were, yeah. yeah so. so
2: like people are like, oh no, let's let's not. No, let's just wipe this this one away. How about you just use a different song, man? Like, like right. Like, so there's the evolution. Let's just not use a so, song
0: that has a very racial, <laughs> right, <laughs> history. Well that well that's part of the evolution. Mm-hmm. Is, whenever. There is somebody trying to do progress. Right. There is instantly resistance right. about for I think because of fear. Absolutely. Or threat to identity. Mm-hmm. So um, something that I was reading the other day actually. So Booker Booker Book Book. Ha
3: ha You know the devil. Beats by Supremo for all of my people, Negroes and Latinos, and even the Gringos, yo, check it, one for Charlie Hustle, two for Steady Rock. For the fourth coming live future shock It's five dimensions, six senses Seven from a of heaven to hell Eight million stories to tell Nine planets faithfully keep an all But with the probable temp The universe expands length The body of my text possess extra strength Power lifted, powerless Up, out of this tower in inferno My ink's so hot, it burn through the journal I'm black at midnight on broad Where you myrtle Hip-hop past all your tall social hurdles Like the nationwide projects Prison industry complex Working class poor, better keep you alive Bombset. Streets too loud to ever hear freedom ring. Say back, you back in with your sleep. It's dangerous to dream, but your chain cats get their chip. Bah! You dead now. Killing fields need blood to grade the cash cow. It's a number game, but shit don't add up somehow. Like I got 16 to 32 bars to rock it, but only 15% of profits. Ever seen my pockets like 69 billion in the last 20 years spent on national defense, but folks still live in fear like nearly half of America's largest cities is one quarter black. That's why they gave Ricky Ross all the crap. 16 ounces to a pound. 20 more to a key A five minute sentence hearing And you no longer free 40% of Americans own a cell phone So they can hear everything that you say When you ain't home I guess Michael Jackson was right You are not alone Rock your hard half black As you in the don Full of hard niggas Large niggas Dice tumblers Young teens of prison greens Facing life numbers Crack mothers, crack babies And AIDS patients Young bloods can't spell But they can rock you a Playstation Snoo with a motherfucker's ass You wanna know how to rhyme You better learn how to add It's math Max.
1: Mighty most devil.
3: it's simple mathematics. Check it out. I'll revolve around time. What are we talking about here?
2: Mighty most devil. It's
3: simple mathematics. Check it out. I'll revolve around time. What are
2: we talking about here? Do you have mess? One two three pop. What are we talking about? Here?
3: One universal law, but two sides to every story Three strikes and you bitten for life, mandatory Four MCs murdered in the last four years I ain't trying to be the fifth when the millennium is here Yo, it's six million ways to die From the seven deadly grills. Eight-year-olds getting found with nine mils It's 10 p.m. where your C's at What's the deal? He on the hill pumping grills To keep they bellies filled in the ass with heavy steel Sights on the pretty shit in life Young soldiers trying to earn their next strike When the average minimum wage is 5.15 You best believe you gotta find a new gra- to get cream, the white unemployment rate is nearly more than triple for black. So, frontliners got their gun in your back, bubble and crack, jewel theft and robbery to combat poverty and end up in the global jail economy. Stiffer stipulations attached to each sentence, budget cutbacks but increased police presence. And even if you get out of prison, still living, join the other five million under state supervision. This is business. No faces, just lines and statistics from your phone, your zip code, the SSI digits. The system break, man, China, women, in the figures, two columns for. Who is and who ain't niggas? Numbers is hard and real and they never have been's But you push too hard, even numbers got limits. Why did one straw break the camel back? Here's the secret The million other straws underneath it. It's all mathematics. I'm the mighty most depth <laughs> It's simple mathematics. Check it out. Uh, I'll revolve around science.
1: What are we talking about here? I'm the mighty most
2: depth. <laughs> it's simple
3: mathematics. Check it out. <laughs> i'll
0: look it up but anyway yeah so so we'll talk more about that but like you know it's just like when good ideas come out there's always resistance and that's a hard mm. thing for a person um you know who's come up with an idea you come up with an idea and you're all excited about it you want to share with people and then like all of a sudden there's all this all this resistance yeah um, what are your thoughts
2: about that? Um, it just goes back to, you know, people being afraid of change. Um, afraid of change or afraid of anything that makes them uncomfortable. Uh, because, you know, change is uncomfortable. Yes. And sometimes it can be for the better, but if it, if it totally messes up your way of doing things or it, Makes you feel uncomfortable, or uh, you know.
0: Well, that's the thing, though. I think a lot of this truth, a lot of a lot of this change doesn't even mess with people's actual lifestyles. Not at all. I think it messes with their worldview. Yeah, and that hits their ego, or that hits their sense of what they think it is. Yeah, you know, worshiping icons
2: like the flag. I mean, I get it. You can be proud of the flag, but what about? This issue that's really more important than just some threading.
0: Right. That's been broken. Because this is how we live. Right. I mean, the flag was like important, you know, as a a sense of pride in our country, but you can have pride in the country and still be uncomfortable with the way you're living in it. And, And you can also
2: question your past and address those issues with your past.
0: That's how you become better. So. And based on that, I got a good quote for this. Ready for this? All truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, is it is accepted as being self-evident. Arthur mm. Schopenhauer, mm. who's a German philosopher. I thought that was interesting because that is actually how I think a lot of this uh, movement against violence from you know misuse of power Mm -hmm. in this situation with with african-american youth and and the police well not just youth but anyone um and the police was that it first was ridiculed second it was violently opposed Mm -hmm. and now it's like oh yeah look at the statistics yeah we know Mm -hmm. this now oh wait we should do police trainings this is not a threat to police. This is mm. making police better. I think I think this we're is, still you know,
2: teeter-tottering on the the last two Well, I would say Well, no,
0: I mean it, but but I would say this in like my hometown they're already doing police training. Yeah, like, not, yeah no. Like I'm not saying it's all fixed. I think right, there's right, definitely right. people violently opposing it still, but what I mean is like I think more and more it's becoming like yeah, that's that's obvious. Yeah, people are, like people are obvious. trying to
2: address the issue.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. and I'm not saying it's not it's all better right. now. Thank you. <laughs> right, right. Here we go. No. Yeah. No, it's not what I'm saying. But I'm mm. I'm saying that I think people are like as it stays, it's becoming like people are realizing this is not a threat to police. Right. This is a this is this is an it's opportunity. A call, a call for you guys to do better. It's an like, opportunity, right. And it's mm. an opportunity to collaborate with community organizations. It's right. a, it's an opportunity for people to get involved in like I don't know, like neighborhood or Yeah, I would say it's good. All it's sorts of things. Kind of
2: good for like law enforcement to know the people that's in their neighborhood. Like it makes everybody more comfortable. Right. Exactly. You know, like I used to watch Leave It to Beaver. And, like I used to talk right. to the, the the neighborhood cop <laughs> all the time. Man, like used to give them rides well, sometimes. Right. And, and even and when because they got in the trouble. Like, I think. I think. I <laughs> think not we, just shoot them. Not
0: to project but, totally, but I think we can call out a culprit. Mm -hmm. one of the culprits i think is black and white thinking Mm -hmm. binary thinking it's either this or it's that it's either this or it's that no it's Mm both propaganda if Mm -hmm. if a policeman of was violent you know uh i can't accept that because that means all police are bad who said that right no one said that no they said this this should not happen so we need to make sure this doesn't happen Mm -hmm. okay does that mean all police are bad? No, absolutely no, no, no. not. It means no. actually most police are probably doing a pretty good job, but we need right. to improve things in certain neighborhoods and in certain mm-hmm. situations. Right, That's and called critical thinking. Right,
2: exactly. I right. mean, and they're coupled with some people that just want to abuse power. And they're like, right, maybe well, they were bullied in high school and they're like, I want to be a cop.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- that, and that's and the hard part about probably being a cop. How do you detect cop? that? Though? Right, and that's probably the hard thing about mm-hmm. being a good cop is mm-hmm. because... You're in the same unit as people with power trips, right? Or what I've even noticed, and I, this is not an excuse at all for that behavior, but I think some cops have like untreated mental uh, illness and a, a wellness. Because if they admit it, they're screwed out of a job, right? And but I would say like you know, ten years of stressful job, and then you are angry, cynical, and then maybe somebody's gonna get racist. It one day. On top of that, like, you might have an incident. But even if you weren't racist, you know, like, even if you're not racist, you're still, like, strung out. You're going to make a mistake. You probably don't need a gun. (laughs) Right. Right. So, like, how are we treating the mental welfare of police? Are they treating that? Mm -hmm. Are our our departments working on making sure that they aren't overworking and overstressed and they got a gun? Right. Should we be working on their mental wellness and teaching them culturally appropriate stuff? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because otherwise, like, even a good... Well-meaning cop may not do exactly what some of those cops did. That was I-, I thought pretty egregious. But right, right. but like they're gonna make a mistake. They're gonna be doing something stupid just because of the way yeah, our it... systems work. So so this un- is
2: undealt with em- emotions again. <laughs> undealt
0: with emotions, right? And, and yeah. also just looking at things instead of it being a threat. Why isn't this opportunity? Mm-hmm. Why isn't this an opportunity? And like with with the with the Me Too thing, I was thinking about that too. Because I think I can't remember who the first one that happened to was it Cosby or something? I don't remember who it was. Yeah, I don't know but who was first. I right. don't remember, but all truth passes three st- three stages. People were like, mm-hmm. "No way, this couldn't be true." Right. Not them, right? And then people are like, "No, that's bullshit." The people are just coming out of the woodwork, right? Mm-hmm. And then now people are like, "Yeah, that's true." <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like, yeah. like that's the three stages, and it's like, w- shouldn't this be? A, a wake up call and, a, and mm-hmm. an opportunity for us to try to make things right, not only personally, like of whatever we've done in our lives, uh, you know, as a community of men, but also the the people that are being taken down. I guess from mm-hmm. their from their whatever I, I I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, this is a whole discussion, but um, people's bubble being burst about them, yeah, and and, and mm-hmm. some of them actually going to jail. Right. Like couldn't that be a wake up call for them to influence people to do the right thing? Yeah. Instead of make excuses.
2: Right. No, right and and spend tons of money to just get them their names cleared like Yeah, just yeah, try to develop something to get educate people on how not to have this happen again. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like so I mean I'm hoping that instead of a pissing contest of who's right and wrong mm-hmm. with all these issues we've been talking about how can we as men i guess we can only do our part and that's where we're doing this podcast maybe to hopefully inspire some men and whoever out there to think about when when we get defensive what are we doing we're shutting down we're shutting down the conversation yeah so how can we work on standing up deal with our emotions own them and try to try when we come out of our funk or whatever you want to call it, try to take things that aren't going well or things in our community or interactions with other males and make them into an opportunity Mm -hmm. for change, not only for ourselves but for others. And that's why I say it starts with the human. It starts with us. It starts with our relationships with our male More of an
2: opportunity for education versus just justice. Right, exactly.
0: And it starts with us because if we're healthier... Um, hopefully we can get involved in an organization
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and make that organization healthier. And if that organization is helping, maybe that could influence something else. We can't do everything. Mm -hmm. You gotta... gotta Yeah, just pointing the finger isn't gonna like
2: fix no. the root of the
0: issue it won't yeah. but i mean i think mm-hmm. I, i'm hoping like if we point the finger we're not demonizing mm-hmm. we're saying there's some problems, problems here that need to be and and we addressed. accept that you're a human with problems mm-hmm. and like we would like to help you right like i mean i don't know how many therapists have fantasized about getting the president to come into therapy mm-hmm. i mean i have i was like shit I would love for him to come into therapy because maybe he would work on something and maybe he'd improve as a person because right now he's got a lot of power. Right. And maybe that would make things better. I can't even...
2: Man, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I can't even see well, him just... There's no incentive. I mean, like, you know, yeah, no you know what, I think I'm going to talk to someone. Right. Well, I mean, so that's <laughs> well, I don't a problem, think he realizes he has a problem. That's
0: Well, I don't think so either. It's right. malignant narcissism, mm-hmm. but uh, essentially, but... Uh, but with anybody, like, with a lot of power, there's not usually an incentive right. to work on yourself until you hit a wall or mm. you hit the ground. Because Yeah, because you're admitting that you are partially weak, right? Right, which could damage certain people's views of you, mm-hmm. which could damon the unbridled hero worship. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think as men, we've got to understand we have a huge opportunity but also responsibility to... If we have power or we have influence or we mm-hmm. are a leader to try to improve the relationships with other men, but also try to improve relationships with other people, mm-hmm. just in general. Um, instead of just thinking about whatever it is, the bottom line right. or or our own image or whatever stupid thing that isn't going to last. Mm-hmm. so i think we've hit the i think we've hit it i don't know what else do you got anything
3: else
2: um man i feel like it was really productive we kind of bounced everywhere but covered everything succinctly yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. i think we did we definitely bounced everywhere but i like Mm -hmm. that's what i like about this podcast so Mm -hmm. well i appreciate uh you coming on the podcast ramon and taking time away from your company and everything you're doing thank you for having me man. i yeah. appreciate that and thanks for hosting me while i've been in new orleans of course it's been a great time Got some good food
2: hey yeah that, of course that so, you're in the place for that <laughs> so tour,
0: tourism shout out uh if you haven't been to new orleans you got to come here <laughs> it's my favorite uh city in the south yes uh no so lie. yeah it's good i mean it's fun friendly really friendly people people will talk to you everywhere and uh it's nice and warm, so
2: no power trips. No, so. <laughs> no, it, everyone's
0: talking to you. It's it's, mm. it's very pleasant. So, uh, all right. Well, thanks. Well, uh, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you, sir. From the town to the nation, we'd like to do a song for you about the larger picture. There's only one season lately. There used to be an agreement between the seasons that they would all come and stay for three months and then go to wherever seasons go when they're not where we are. Lately there has been no spring, no summer and no fall. Politically and philosophically and psychologically there has only been the season of ice. It is a season of frozen dreams and frozen nightmares, a scene of frozen progress and frozen ideas, frozen aspirations and inspirations. They call the season winter We call the song Winter in America.
0: There you have it. This has been Paul Krauss of The Intentional Clinician. We talked about many issues in this podcast, and I hope you enjoyed it. I wanted to leave you with a few poems, uh, because I found them interesting. The first poem is The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, In fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Another poem, Champion the Enemy's Need by Kim Stafford. Ask about your enemy's wounds and scars. Seek his hidden cause of trouble. Feed your enemy's children. Learn their word for home. Repair their well. Learn their sorrow's history. Trace their lineage of the good. Ask them for a song. Make tea. Break bread. I Live My Life in Growing Orbits by Rainer Marie Rilke. I live my life in growing orbits, which move out over the things of the world. Perhaps I can never achieve the last, but that will be my attempt. I am circling around God, around the ancient tower, and I have been circling for a thousand years, and I still don't know if I'm a falcon, or a storm, or a great song. And now, one of my personal favorites. Face It, You're Happy by Japanese Zen poet that I can't pronounce his name who lived from 1394 to 1481. This was a poem that was read at James Hillman's 70th birthday. Face It, You're Happy. Long life through the wild pines, want it too. Passion's red thread is infinite like the Earth's, always under me. Now I'm 70, still alive, looking up every night, snapping my fingers at time and at the promise of love. Listen, I want to give you something, but what would help? Self, other, right, wrong, wasting your life arguing with it. Face it, you're happy. Really, you're happy. Don't worry, please, How many times do I have to tell you there's no way not to be who you are and where? And that last line again, there's no way not to be who you are and where. And really, that's my send-off message to you. We brought up so many things that are out of our control today in this episode, but there is something you can do in your local community. I don't know if it's growing a garden or uh, reading a book to an old person over the phone right now because of coronavirus, quarantine, or thinking about how you're going to be different or live different, but we've got to act. If we want things to change, we have to act. If you have been enjoying the Intentional Clinician podcast, please share it with somebody you know that might also enjoy it and What I would really love is if you went onto iTunes and gave this podcast a rating. If you are looking for an MDRIA consultant, I, Paul Krause, am now in the MDRIA consultant and training program and can provide 15 of 20 hours needed to become MDRIA certified. I'm starting my groups. Looks like they're going to be on Thursdays. Right now, they're going to be online. For details, check out CounselingSupervisorGR.com or HealthForLifeGR.com. The Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association, if you're in Michigan or any other state's counseling association, is working to increase the availability of quality mental health services statewide, increasing education, promoting best practices, and working to keep licensed professional counselors and other professionals accessible by the public. So please consider donating to help this cause or get involved. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Paul Krauss, and while these are based upon literature he has read and his experience in the field, they should not be viewed as the definitive opinion on any subject. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for treatment. If you are in a crisis, please dial 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-8255. If you are in need of counseling, do not hesitate to make an appointment with a local counselor in your area you can also make an appointment with the excellent clinicians at Grant in the Grand Rapids area at Health for Life Grand Rapids or the Trauma Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids great New fact, um, due to the telehealth regulations changing, if you are in the state of Michigan and you are not near a counselor and also don't want to visit them due to the quarantine, you can now see our clinicians at healthforlifegr.com online and insurance is reimbursing for it and I'm talking about every private insurance and Medicaid and also we have reduced cash rates if you're in a difficult spot. You can also give us a call Monday through Thursday, 9 to 5 at 616-200-4433. That's 616-200-4433. And our um, excellent staff is standing by from their homes right now and answering calls. Again, www.healthforlifegr.com is the website if you want to know more. This has been Paul Krauss. Thanks for listening.
1: People say to me, Gil, we cannot find your records. I say, go to your record store go down to the left, take a turn, go to the right, look on the bottom shelf, you will find a box called miscellaneous. We are miscellaneous. We did not mean to be miscellaneous. Somehow it happened. Otherwise, you go in the record store, you go to the right, you go down to the back, you look in a box called jazz, J-A-Z-Z. I said, this is very good, we are jazz. Then I looked up jazz in the dictionary, and it means miscellaneous. We were not happy. We decided to bring the music to you, to let you decide. What kind of music do we play? The question is called, Is That Jam? This is
3: for,
1: for promotional promotion use, use only money.
4: money. Yeah. Rockies, right? Well, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, no,
1: no, no. come, come
4: to her own out the back of our homes We smell the musk of the dusk and the crack of the dawn We go through episodes too, like Attack of the Clones What to we break a back and you hear the crack of the bone? To get by, just to get by, just to get by, just to get by We commute to computer, spirits stay mute while your eagles spread rumors We survivalists, turn to consumers Just to get by, just to get by, just to get by, just to get by we'll ask you why sorry in the trailer, cause like a sailor Paint a picture with the pen like Norman Mailer Me and Weller, raised three daughters all by herself With no help, I think about the struggle And I, I find the strength of myself These words melt in my mouth They hot like the jail cell in the south Before my nigga core bailed me out But to get by, just to get by Just to get by, just to get by Do a die like best star See the red sky out the window of the red eye like the lead fly, rap shit living the lead, down. I woke up
3: I'm just right? right. right.
4: Trees treason, we stay drunk Your activism attacking the system The blacks and latins in prison Numbers in prison, they victim Lacking the vision Shit and all they got is rapping to listen To I let them know we missing you Your love is unconditional Even when the condition is critical When the living is miserable Your position is pivotal Well ain't bullshitting you Now, what would I lie Just to get by, just to get by Need us love to get by, just to get by, just to give by,
1: just to get by. I'm sing like
4: John Lennon. Imagine all the people watching me rock like Paul McCartney.
1: Promotion. use only money yeah, yeah. rock is